Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years and Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Well, I have a special treat for you as a bonus episode in honor of the 30th anniversary of the release of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which came out in 1989. Now, sadly, I wasn't fortunate enough to see this on the big screen because, let me tell you, that would have been a wonderful experience. I mean, if they had that for the 30th anniversary, like they put it for a limited time on the big screen, I would definitely go check that out. Um, this is such an amazing movie. It's a, it's a classic in my eyes. Let me read the description. Um, when, uh, IMDb decides to get its act together. The description here, the scientist father of a teenage girl and boy accidentally shrinks his and two other neighborhood teens to the size of insects. Now the teens must fight diminutive dangers as the father searches for them. Like, meh. Here's another interesting, uh, synopsis. On the brink of perfecting his state-of-the-art matter-shrinking machine, the suburban paternal familias and indefatigable inventor okay, professional or professor Wayne Solinsky realizes that his device truly works when it zaps both his kids and their friends now to re now to return to the relative safety of their home while being reduced to a mere quarter inch size. The minuscule humans must venture out into the dense and perilous landscapes of their now immense backyard. A hostile environment where nearly everything spells trouble. Can the kids exit the green maze of grass in one piece? I like that last question. That's pretty good. Um, let's see. Uh, this movie was directed by Joe Johnston. Who also directed Raiders of the Lost Air. Oh, uh, visual effects. Captain America, director. The Rocketeer. The Nutcracker. The Wolfman. Hidalgo. Jurassic Park 3. Ugh. October. Scott Jumanji. Uh, the Page Master. Yeah, apparently he had nothing to do with the sequel. Honey, I blew up the kid. Kid, as in not two, but one. This movie on IMDb has a 6.3 out of 10 rating based on 131,769 ratings. Stars Rick Moranis as Wayne Zielinski, Matt Frewer as Big Russ Thompson, Marsha Strassman as Diane Zielinski, RIP for her. Christine Sutherland plays May Thompson, the wife and mother of the wife of Big Russ and the mother of Little Russ and Ron Thompson. I don't think there are any other RIPs. Um, we have Thomas Wilson Brown plays Little Russ. Jared Rushton plays Ron Thompson. You may remember him as the redheaded best friend of Tom Hanks' character in the movie Big. Amy O'Neill plays Amy Solinsky. Robert Oliv Oliveri plays Nick Solinsky, the younger brother of Amy. 
He was also in Edward Scissorhands. Carl Steven, also R.I.P. from 2011. He's in an episode of Different Strokes. I haven't gotten that far yet. Looks like he plays a classmate of maybe Sam. Oh, no, that looks like a restaurant place. Also, this boy, Carl Steven, also played a character named Joey on a couple episodes of Punky Brewster. He was also on Mr. Belvedere for an episode. Different Strokes, The Wonder Years. So, yeah. Got some connections. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which is a sequel that came out in 1992. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience came out in 94. Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, the third movie, came out in 1997. Um, Wayne's, uh, Rick Moranis was the only one to come and reprise his role. Marcia Strassman didn't really care to. Amy, of course, in the sequel is off to college, so you only get her for a good, like, five minutes. The boy who plays Nick is clearly... Because at this point in time, Honey, We Blew Up the Kid, Adam Solinsky. The youngest Solinsky was two years old, and Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. He's about maybe 10, 11 years old. So clearly, Nick and Amy are adults, probably with children of their own at that point. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show, The Incredible Shrinking Man. Uh, let's see... This movie was released, so it was a summer movie. It was released in June, June 23rd of 1989. The budget was $18 million. Opening weekend was $14 million. Domestic grossed $130 million. Domestic and then worldwide $222 million. Wow. Got some trivia here. In an early version of the script, there were five kids, one of them which died during the sprinkler sequence. That would have been a bit dark for Disney. For the scene in which miniaturized Nick Selinsky drops into a bowl of Cheerios cereal, a tank was filled with 16,000 gallons of milk-like substance made from chlorinated water, food thickener, and pigment. The Cheerios were made from tractor inner tubes. 12 feet in diameter, coated in foam. Chevy Chase and John Candy both turned down the role of Wayne Selinski. Candy did, however, suggest Rick Moranis for the role. This also had happened when Moranis was offered Ghostbusters, 1984. So, really, guys, we can thank John Candy. I really, I don't know, I can't see Chevy Chase, or John Candy for that matter, playing this role. I mean... We've seen John Candy can do a little bit of serious in Uncle Buck as well as comedy. He's really known for his comedy. Also, um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is a Thanksgiving movie. I watch that every year, every Thanksgiving. Really gets me in the mood. Yeah, we can thank him for, you know, suggesting Rick Moranis. The film's original title was Teeny Weenies. <laughs> really? Teeny Weenies, oh my gosh, which was rejected on the grounds that it sounded too much like a kiddies film with no appeal to adults. This movie was filmed at Churubusco Studios in Mexico City for six months. Sets and the props took more than nine months to build. A May-June 1989 Disney Channel magazine article reported that 12 houses complete with front and backyards were built in addition to a 10-foot-tall Oatmeal cookie made from polyurethane foam and real cream filling. 40 foot tall 
urethane foam blades of grass and a giant mechanical ant that required a dozen puppeteers to operate. The ant was constructed using latex foam, core, and horsehair. Really? And recreated for stop motion sequences in which the children rode atop the insect. Aw, auntie. This movie actually also was Joe John... Why do we want to say Joe Dante? It's not Joe Dante. Joe Johnston's directorial debut. The animated short Tommy Trouble was released theatrically with this movie. Many credit the success of this film towards audiences wanting to see more of Roger Rabbit. Now, as I said, I did not get to see this movie in the theater. How I happened to end up getting this movie was this funny little story. My eighth birthday... My dad got me The Little Mermaid on VHS. I go and visit my mom, who also gets me The Little Mermaid movie. Well, we can't tell my mom that my dad already got that for me because, you know, it'll hurt her feelings. Granted, my young cousin, like, oh, she already has that. Anyway, my dad's like, well, I'll take mine back and you just tell me what other movie you want. I was going to go with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. However... My cousins are like, oh no, get Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because we've seen it and it's really, really good. So I, my dad ends up getting that for me and I go home, you know, on the weekend to stay at my dad's and my sister's already watching the movie like more than halfway through. I'm like, ugh. But she did the same thing when I got the movie Hook for my, um, ninth birthday. Actually, no, I think it was for my tenth birthday. And that's pretty much the gist of uh, the trivia. It goes on and on and on. I want to look at these taglines here. The most astonishing innovative backyard adventure of all time. That's a tagline? I don't like that. It's too long. The movie was also written by Stuart Gordon, Brian Yuzna, Ed N-A-H-A, Naha, who also wrote the screenplay, and Tom Schulman wrote the screenplay. As well. So, that being said, let's get into this movie. The first thing we get here is animated credits, and I really don't see these in much in movies nowadays, but back in the 80s, animated credits were pretty cool. I remember um, the movie Better Off Dead with John Cusack had animated credits, and this Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and its sequel, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, have the animated credits. However, the direct-to-video sequel, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, does not have any animated credits. Which, being the fact that the movie was straight-to-video, they even put it in the theaters, and Rick Moranis was the only original cast member to come back. I can understand why they wouldn't waste the time or money or effort to make animated credits. But this is, I mean... Like I said, I never got to see this movie on the big screen. I would love to see this on the big screen. I think it would be really cool. Because the, the graphics and the title of just... Of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is just right in your face. And now we get a red-headed girl in a yellow sundress with a yellow bow... And we get a carrot top boy with a blue and white striped shirt and light blue pants. Apparently this shirt does not fit this little boy very much or it shrunk in the wash because his lower belly with the belly button is exposed. And he's got these 
freckles on his face, but they're more like early, you know, the early days of the Elvin and the Chipmunks cartoon where they had the freckles on the face and it just was really unattractive on them, just like this animated boy. We don't see the shrink ray as animated. It's off screen, but it does zap the boy and girl. They don't look anything like Amy and Nick at all. But then again, maybe the boy and girl who played uh, Nick and Amy weren't cast yet. So they were like, well, we got to get this done and out there. So. so the kids are running. You see Matt Frewer's name, who plays Big Russ Thompson. And then Marsha Strassman, her name is right on top of his and it's being shoved like outward and the kids are like if we don't move we're gonna get squished wow it landed right on those kids yet they magically survive i don't know how due to animation these kids survive they're oh they managed to get between the two s's there's a little bit of space there where they didn't get smushed but it's just running down the cast list rick moranis of course is that the top, then we have Matt Frewer, we have Marsha Stressman, we have Thomas Brown, and Christine Sutherland, who plays uh, Mrs. Thompson, Big Russ's wife, and the mother to Little Russ and Ron. This is kind of spooky, and I'm glad they didn't put this in the movie because the boy and girl are in a paper airplane that says Thomas Brown on the side, and they are headed straight for one of those tabletop metal fans. Oh my goodness. Luckily, they get away. They hop out of the paper airplane just in time for it to be shredded by that fan. They fall to the ground, and we see bits of the paper airplane, and... Spelled out Jared Rushton. He plays Ron. I believe Thomas Brown must play Big uh, Little Russ, excuse me. Oh, here we go. We get a dustbuster. It's going to suck up uh, the redheaded girl. Where's her brother? <laughs> we only see her. We get the dustbuster. We get a piece of paper that says Amy O'Neill, which is funny because the character's name is Amy. Oh, here we go. Here's the boy. He just popped out from behind a pepper shaker on the table. There's this giant fly with green fur, and it's just really crudely drawn with big bulbous eyes that have, like, at least, like, ten eyes in each big eye, a bunch of little eyes. It's just really creepy. You think, oh, no, this little boy's going to be eaten. Nope. Oh my gosh, you see this fly has like a big mouth with like lips and then teeth. It's licking its lips like I'm gonna eat you little boy. Luckily the boy is saved by the fly swatter. And the fly guts spell out Robert Oliveri. Is that how you say his name? It's like Oliver with an I at the end and he plays Nick. See the guy get, the boy get crushed by an iron I think. Yeah, he manages to survive and not get smushed, and he just peels himself and runs off. So this is supposed to, it looks like a metal snake, but it's actually uh, a vacuum hose. The music's by James Horner. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Mr. Titanic himself. 
So the girl falls on the family dog, and somehow she lands in his fur follicles. He thinks it's a flea, and he starts, like, chewing on his skin and fur. She's freaking out, and you see the dog's teeth, like, run across just above the top of this girl's head. You see the other, the fleas in there with the girl, and the dog starts scratching, and the girl's just shoved right out of the dog's fur. The boy manages to jump on a pencil, which is going straight into a pencil sharpener. Eraser and all, the entire pencil. Oh my gosh. Now the boy falls into the toaster. On top of the crust of bread, as the bread is in the toaster being warmed. The toast pops out of the toaster, and the kid manages to get on the corkboard. He's holding on to one of the, one of the push-button pins. Now the boy, we haven't seen the girl for a bit, but now the boy is landed on the typewriter paper as these keys are coming down on top of him. Oh, there's the girl. She and the brother are running and they leap into an envelope, which is now being placed in a mailbox. The kids pop up in the little view window where the address is, and clearly they're going to die because they're going to be suffocated. That is the longest, I mean, would you even call that, like, a cold open? Like, if that were a TV show, that would be the cold open. And it shows the movies directed by Joe Johnston. Alright, so now we go to present day 1989. A lot of, like, old-time VW bugs are being driven. There's, like, a beige tan one sitting in someone's driveway. There's a... Baby Robin's egg blue one being driven down the street. Let's just give you the impression it's a nice suburban neighborhood. Nice early morning. Looks like uh, the mailman's doing his job. We see the Thompson's mailbox as the mailman puts the mail in there. Now we see the Solinsky mailbox, which looks like it, the name's just written on in black sharpie where on the thompson's mailbox it's got some really nice white calligraphy is really really pretty and but the thing is when mr thompson big russ is yelling out his window at Solinsky because apparently their houses are right next to each other but on the outside in the front yard there is like a house between them because there's a dodge red truck in a driveway that separates the Selinsky yard from the Thompsons. Never mind, guys. I apologize. I could not be more wrong. It's just the Thompsons have a large yard in front, and that Dodge red pickup is their truck. I apologize. I'm wrong. Oh, I love how the little flap thing to show that it's got mail in there. It has a little American flag on the top, like when you tip it up to let them know, hey, there's mail in here. Yeah. That guy just put mail in there. He didn't take anything out. Oh, so Quark must come out every morning and get the mail because a mail guy knows Quark's name. That's a handful of mail for that dog's mouth. And the guy doesn't even give him, like, a doggy treat. But then again, Quark doesn't need doggy treats because inside the house you will see that Wayne has set up this really awesome contraption where Quark just has to, <clears throat> excuse me, put his paw on a lever a little treat comes down, lands on the conveyor belt, plops right into his dog bowl. Quark is like the cutest dog. I wonder what breed he is. 
first up, we're going into the Selinsky house. Uh, Amy's on the phone, not even looking at the fried food that's cooking on the burner on the stove. There's also toast being cooked in the toaster. These two entranced with this Paul guy. Right out the gate, this girl, we learn, is pretty popular because she's got a date to the dance. This guy, Paul, don't, you're not going to forget this guy's name because it comes up at least three or four times in this movie. So, Amy's on the phone. I have the subtitles on. She says, Lisa told Janet that Paul asked Barbara to ask me if I had a date for the dance. Oh, not to mention, Amy has got a pink boombox on the counter right next to the stove. Blaring music. Apparently, uh, her friend is asking a question and Amy says, Oh, they broke up for religious differences. She thought she was God and he disagreed. What kind of high schoolers do you go to school with, girl? That is like the longest phone cord. When I had, um, growing up, I had a phone cord, but it really was not that long. I mean, I couldn't stretch it to the point where I could actually sit down in the living room chair that's just off of the kitchen because the phone was like around a corner in the dining area that's right, right next to the kitchen. But I think eventually we got a long enough cord so I could sit in the chair that's right when you cross over from in the threshold from the kitchen into the living room. It was pretty nice. I was so jazzed, I swear, when we got a cordless phone, it was so awesome. I was so excited. You have no idea. Of course, by that time, I was like maybe 14, 15. So imagine how many years I had to deal with being on a corded phone. Guys, there's no privacy when it comes to that. None whatsoever. So Quark comes in with the mail. Puts it down on the kitchen table. We see... How old is... I think Nick's supposed to be 12, because in the next movie, he's 14. <laughs> but just the way this kid's got... You know, it's 1989, he's wearing glasses, he's got the big 80s oversized glasses. He's making his own little mini model version of his, you know, Wayne's shrink ray machine. And I, th I notice now... See, I've seen this movie so many times, but when I review movies for podcasts, I always manage to find something I don't I don't normally see in my original, you know, past viewings. He's got little like little mini jars of paint and what looks like either could be turpentine, I can't tell. Um but yeah, he's just like putting some finishing touches on it. It's really cool. Heck, Wayne could have even taken this as a, look, this is a little mini model that my son made of what my, since I can't, you know, dismantle the machine and just bring it all to you. But then again, use a camcorder. Here, I took footage of, so you can see what the machine looks like. So, okay, clearly this is a Saturday morning. I didn't even know this. And I, when I was looking at the scene selection on the DVD, it says Saturday morning. I'm like, okay, good. That makes sense why they're not in school, because it's Saturday. And she explains to whoever she's talking on the phone with that she's meeting Paul 
at uh, the mall. Hey, <laughs> that rhymed. So she's going to be, and apparently he's going to ask her to the dance. I noticed on the wall there is a calendar, and I'm kind of wondering if it's like the different phases of the moon or something, or like objects in space or something. So, of course, Amy is just trying to get things done, get breakfast started, you know, for her dad and Nick, since, you know, their mom isn't there at the moment. She's staying at um, her mother's because she and Wayne had a fight about him trying to get that machine to work and spending all this time and money on the machine, whereas Diane is a realtor, so of course she is going to be the main breadwinner of the family, while Wayne probably isn't really bringing in an income. He's probably actually spending more money than he is actually bringing in and relying on grants to get this uh, shrink ray of his. But I notice... All around the house, you see all these little inventions that Wayne, he looks like it's a like a solar paneled coffee maker. Like he installed like a solar panel on top of the coffee maker because it's facing the window. That's why it's sitting right by the window. So Amy tells her friend that she's got to hang around a while because she's got to keep an eye on her younger brother because he likes to take things apart. Poor Quark. It's like he's just there like... I put this mail on the table. Can you at least open it so I feel like I fulfilled my duty? Like, open the mail. It's just one piece. So clearly whoever she's talking to on the phone already knows about, you know, Amy and Nick's parents having, you know, problems while, the, you know, the mom's at grandma's house. She hopes, like, things will cool off. Once Dad has this big show and tell at the lab, it'll be fine. He'll get that financial backing that he needs. That is the coolest thing! His Nick's little mini shrink ray, because he's got it pointed at Cork, and he's zap! And Cork, of course, freaks out, darts out of the chair, and probably out in the backyard. That's just our oven. And it's so cool, like, the end of it, like, lights up, kind of like the real one in the attic does. And Nick is just amazing. Oh, it works! It really works! And I'm like, what worked? The dog ran out of the room is that what you were hoping for because then if i mean if that's what you were hoping for you succeeded congrats and amy just like looks at nick like nick get real like the subject has disappeared so the subject clearly was the dog at the on the kitchen chair and running out of the room i'm i hope that's what that is because if it isn't then i don't know what you're talking about son Whoever she's talking to is has a very unusual interest in Amy's parents. But then, this is the 80s. It seemed like almost every set of parents was divorcing for some reason or another. I don't know why. Yeah, she even details what happened. Is that um, their parents had a fight... And mom just needed a rest, so she decided to go uh, scoot over to grandma's house. It's like, oh yeah, her and me both, definitely. Because Amy's now taking on mom duties, keeping the house, the house looks like a fucking pigsty. So she gets off the phone, of course she realized that she's wrapped herself in the phone cord, so she's trying to, like, unravel herself when Nick comes over and says, hey Amy, when's mom coming home? And Amy's like, 
Nick, it's fine, okay? She's going to be home this afternoon. Don't worry. Our parents are not getting a divorce. Oh, Amy says that, you know, mom's working right now. She'll be home this afternoon. It'll be fine. We, of course, hear a little zapping sound. Sounds like a giant fly swatter just gotta fly. And she's like, oh, if only dad could get that machine to work. She might come home. We don't know. So here's a little um, invention of his that will make a, another appearance in the sequel. It's got labels. One says breakfast, one says lunch, one says dinner, and one says phone. And you just, like, hit the button, and then there's little, like, ringing buzzers throughout the house. This is... This is a cool invention. Granted, we all have cell phones now, so we can text each other if we have to when breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you know what I mean. So upstairs in the attic, we see he's got this little light up with uh, the words breakfast on it, and then it's got a little uh, alarm bell, kind of like you'd see in like a, for a fire drill or something in a school. And of course, Wayne is busy using some type of uh, gun shooting out to uh, fire electricity something. Because Quark decides to come up there and uh, see what all the commotion is. Because he's such a curious dog. He's an adorable dog. So this is like an early version of sending a text. He notices the breakfast light up on the sign. So he goes over to his computer, types out, I'll be down in a couple minutes. But we'll go back downstairs and we'll see what actually comes out. His Amy's like, oh, looks like Hilly's typing with his gloves. Because he's got these huge, thick rubber gloves. Which, if you're going to be handling machinery that's got, like, fire coming out of it. Like, I think, like, a type of welding equipment type of thing. Because he's got one of those um, hard hats on that has the... Uh, you know, the screen in the come come down covering the face kind of thing. I can't think of the proper term. I know it's not a hard hat, but there's a welder's something. Call it a welder's helmet. Because <laughs> it comes... You know, I'll be down three letters on... Three O's on fine mimics. Oh, just above the phone, there's a little um, memo pad there that says... Who took the pencil for this? <laughs> oh, underneath the phone, um, where it says breakfast, lunch, dinner, phone, one, the one underneath phone says come down, and then underneath that says new messages. And it's got, like, it's almost like, um, one of those calculators that has the paper attached to it, like the little receipts, and that's what comes out. So while Wayne is still working on that machine, we're going to cut over to the Thompsons' house, which is right next door. Now, the Thompsons have a pretty big day ahead of them, especially Russ Thompson. They're all going on a family fishing trip, planned it for months. Of course, he's got a four-hour drive ahead of him, and he wants to make sure he gets his rest. Well, you're right next to Wayne Selinsky. Come on, you must be familiar with him constantly working on this machine. You ain't sleeping in on the weekends, I'll tell you that. So, of course, Mr. Thompson, Big Russ Thompson, like the nice neighbor he is, is in such a, like, ugh, I can't stand it. Who does he think he is, Mr. Wizard? Pulls up the shade, 
lifts open the door, the window, screams, Hey, Solinsky! It's Saturday! He can't even hear you over that noise. I says, Solinsky, give it a rest. It's Saturday. And this guy does not have a normal 9 to 5 job. His job is to get that machine up and going so he can show it off at the big presentation, get that grant that he needs to help his family out. So he, yeah. So he needs every hour that he can spare. Of course, May has no, no sympathy whatsoever for her husband. She's like, honey, it's construction. You of all people should understand that. So Big Russ is complaining while he hops back into bed. Like, I want some sleep. We got a four-hour drive ahead of us. I noticed he's wearing, like, so it's just, like, New York Giants. He's wearing the box shorts. May's like, honey, just give him a break. And then we hear this big crash. And Big Russ is like, I'm clearly not getting back to sleep. So he's like, oh, give him a break. I'll break his arm. Dude, calm your shit. Okay? You want to spend your weekend in jail instead of going on your fishing trip? Is you go over and physically assault that guy, that's exactly what's going to happen. The cops are going to be busting down your door. Well, the cops will be there later, but for other reasons, of course. We'll get to that. All right, now we're going to cut back over to the Selinskys. Amy is making breakfast. She's taking the eggs, throwing the empty shells over her shoulder, hoping they land into the sink. As she hears... Big Russ Thompson, like, Solinsky, as he's coming out of his backyard. And she's like, the hell? So, yeah, Big Russ comes out. The reason I call him Big Russ is because, of course, we have Little Russ, the eldest Thompson child who we will meet after we meet the youngest Thompson child. So Big Russ comes out. He's got his robe on to cover his boxer shorts. Of course, May, his wife, is right, like, honey, you're bigger than he is. Please, just don't do anything irrational. Of course, he's traipsing through the backyard. We got, uh, what the heck's his name? There's Little Russ and there's, uh, Ron, Ronald, yes, who you all will remember from the movie, Big, which came out, I think, the year or so before this. And, of course, he was younger, and he had, like, dark auburn red hair. Now he's got blonde hair, which I think maybe he's always had blonde hair, because a few years later, down the road, you'll see him again in Pet Cemetery 2, and the guy's got, like, this little fuzz, little bit of fuzz on his chin and an earring. He just looks really nasty. But here he's an, he's an adorable little munchkin. <laughs> Probably right around the same age as Nick. So Ron's got a tent pitched up back there. He's got a string line that's attached to some bells on his tent. Of course, to let him know when an intruder is in the yard. The string, of course, is attached to a mousetrap. It's one of those it's like Rube Goldberg effects or something like that. And Big Russ is like, Ron, what are you doing? He's like, Dad, I'm defending the backyard. It's like, against what? 
Of course, Big Russ is all like, that's my fishing rod. Like, we're going fishing. Now I'm going to have to re-reel that thing. Oh, my goodness. Of course, he hits that line, which snaps the mousetrap, which goes to a crossbow that's been set up with an arrow that's got, like, a little rubber mini suction cup thing on the end of it, which hits him right in the forehead, knocks him straight on his feet, straight off his feet on his back. He sits up and he's like, oh my gosh, am I bleeding? And May's like, honey, it's rubber. Don't worry about it. He's trying to pull it off. He's like, what is on this thing? <clears throat> and of course, Ron's like, it's super glue. It's like super glue. What? Of course, Ron's like, I gotta mark those trespassers, Dad. And of course, <laughs> Big Russ is like, I'm not a trespasser. I'm your father. It's like, ugh. So May gets him into the house to, like, hurry and get the suction cup arrow removed from his head and all that good stuff. And Amy, meanwhile, is watching this and just like, oh, weird. They both, both the Thompsons and the Solinskys think both families are, like, bonkers weird. Like, weird family. As Amy looks out the kitchen window. The arrow is still attached to the fishing rod as May and Big Russ go in there. And <laughs> Russ, like, or Ron, like, pulls back on it. And, of course, we don't see it. But we hear this, ah! as he's probably yanked off his feet again. We head across the fence line, back to the Solinsky's attic. Nick, Nick, of course, he's so proud of this little mini shrink ray model that he's built. He's like, Dad, check it out. It's just like yours, huh? I, I love how Nick is wearing, like, a little lab coat. Nick starts in about, hey, Dad, I was thinking, and we took all the molecules in this house, and, of course, Wayne cuts him off and is like, son, look, I gotta get this thing working before I leave. What time is he supposed to leave? It's like, why don't you go help your sister? It's like, ugh. So feeling sad and dejected, Nick leaves. There was so much set up in this attic. Like, all these little steps you have to take just to turn the thing on. Oh, switches and lights and other things. Of course, this first attempt is going to be to shrink an apple because you don't want to use a living, breathing person or you know, it's not like, hey, cork, get up there. Let's check and see if I can shrink you. Way, if something happens with the apple, it's not really a, uh, that much of a loss. I mean, if he blew up poor cork, well, they he'd have something. He'd have to answer for that. All right, so we see the laser hit the apple, and you think it's going to work. And Wayne's like, come on, shrink. Come on, shrink. Shrink. He puts the power phase, like, all the way up to 100%. And you see on the monitor, like, with the Apple, because it's got, like, on the computer monitor, you see, like, this drawing of the, the Apple and just the power surge that's going into it. And, of course, he's like, well, we're going to go all we got. Let's hit that button. Boom! Disintegrates the Apple. It's just basically chunks of Apple all over. That is going to stink after a while. Plus, it's like, it's not, I don't think it's summertime, is it? Because the kids, aren't they supposed to, I mean, it is Saturday, but I'm just trying to figure what time of year is this. 
He got it up to 130%. Hit that button and just, yeah, like I said, it's just applesauce all over the place. You don't have to tell your dog to stay back. That dog is like, uh, I'm safe here on the couch, right? I mean, the dog, Quark, does get hit with a little bit of that, uh, chunks of that, uh, disintegrated apple, but, yeah. Alright, now we're going back to the Thompson house as May is helping... They got the arrow, the rubber tip, removed. Now it's just got this big old red blotch on its forehead. Jake, honey, please, because he's rubbing it away. Like, I gotta get this mark off my forehead. <laughs> so, honey, please, you're wiping away brain cells, and there aren't that many to spare. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's cute. A little Russ comes out, and, of course... Big Russ is there in the hallway. Like, hey, look who decided to join the land of the living. Are you ready for his, your big fishing trip today? Are you excited? Tell me you're excited. And, of course, little Russ is like, not really, Dad. Ugh. He goes in the bathroom, slams the door as Big Russ is like, yeah, but there's a big fish with your name on it. And little Russ is like, look, Dad, fishing is your thing, okay? I'm not into that. So, Big Russ can't stand that his son isn't into the things that he likes to do. I would honestly say little Russ has got to be just into, you know, music and just being... I, I don't want to go out and say that he's like a loner, but he's not... He's basically just doing sports stuff because his dad wants him to. He's not getting any enjoyment out of it. May and Big Russ go into their bedroom. She is making the bed. She's like, I shouldn't be telling you this, but he was cut from the football team. Of course, Big Russ wants to go in there and just like, what the heck? My son got cut. There's nothing wrong with him. He goes like he's going to go out of the bedroom and confront him right there. And she's like, honey, look, he does not need to hear from you. Dude, you gotta realize your kid and you are not the same person. Just because you have a son does not mean he's gonna like the same things that you like. You got little Ron. Yeah, Ron. Ron loves that shit. I'm sure when he's able to, he'll go play football. Don't you let Russ be Russ. And move on to Ron. So May, of course, thinks that little Russ is too small for football. He's lanky. I don't know what position he could play on football because I don't know the positions other than, like, a quarterback. I've heard of, like, a fullback, a tailback. I don't know what they are. Running back. I don't know what they are. I just know the terms. I mean, I watch Little Giants. That's about as much football knowledge as I can get. So. And he's like, oh, he's not too small for football. Whatever. Just leave the poor boy alone and let him be him. Oh, yeah, he's like, oh, if he wants to feel big, he should act big. Shut up with your macho shit. All right, at the Selinski house, <laughs> Amy has finished making the breakfast, or if you want to call it that, because it's freaking gross. The toast is burnt. Whatever that stuff's supposed to be, that's on Wayne's plate. He ain't touching it, but then again, he's occupied. What are all those medica- are those medications? What are- the are they jars- little mini jars of paint? So Nick, of course, isn't touching the food either. And Amy's like, well, what's wrong with you? He's like, I'm on a diet. No toxic waste. 
She's like, fine, here, I'll give it to Quark. Here you go, Quark. And Quark is like, I ain't eating this shit. I eat dog food, but I ain't touching this shit. That stuff, it goes in the trash, Amy. That is pure charcoal, just garbage. I can see why the do dogs eat a lot of stuff, but he ain't touching that. I don't blame him. Like, pop open a can of Alpo. I'll eat that shit. I love Nick's grin of, <laughs> yeah, he ain't eating it either. Yeah, you suck at cooking. <laughs> and she's just like, hey, I didn't want this job either, okay? But mom's not here. One of us has got to cook, and it ain't going to be you. We know why Nick doesn't want it other than it's toxic waste. He's chowing down on those oatmeal cream pies. I remember being so let down. Like, I'll get to it when they're shrunk and they come upon the big giant cream pie. It just looks like a yummy cookie pie. But that, because I remember in second grade watching this, like, oh, I can't wait to have oatmeal cream pie. And it's so not like what, I mean, I see it here. It's okay. He's eating it. But the way they just, they had to create it for the movie, of course, this giant cookie. It just looks a lot better when it's like a giant cookie on the ground and they all have like whipped cream like topping on it. Oh gosh, so good looking, but just sort of like disappointed oatmeal cream. Ugh. So Amy sits down, asks Wayne like, hey, did you get the machine to work? He's like, oh yeah, I need a few more bugs to get out. And I'm like, okay, so you didn't get it to work. Now, getting it to, when I say, did you get it to work, you don't say, I got a few mug, bugs to get out of it. You say, yeah, it's 100% ready to go. Because if you say, I got a few more bugs to get out, it's like, well, then it's not working then. Amy reminds him of the conference, like, oh my gosh, I gotta be late, I gotta go. We see, and I looked, you can buy this old cat clock. It's expensive as hell, but on a, on a website, but you can buy it. A, a, you know, like a cheap plastic imitation it looks like it's hooked up to a like a speaker or something is that right it looks like it's going on seven in the morning who the hell gets up that early i'm still sleeping by that time i don't want to be woken up for anything unless the house is on fire yes back in the back in the day that wasn't considered, uh, 6.50 in the morning was not considered early, and kids were more early risers than they are today. So it's time for Wayne to go to the conference. He's in a rush to get out the door. He's got his cardboard box filled with his blueprints, his little atom bomb, atom wooden whatevers. Like, he borrowed that from the math teacher and <laughs> Mighty Ducks. <laughs> But anyway, of course, while he's rushing around trying to get stuff and get himself out the door, Amy's like, Dad, 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 hold up a second. Don't forget to get my dress from the cleaners because I need it for the dance. And I think she's got, like, um, a ticket for it or something that he's like, you're dropping in my mouth here. I got it. Don't worry. It's all in my head. I got it. Oh, and if your mom calls, let her know I'll be home this afternoon. Hey, anyone want to call their number? 714-555-3771. I'm sure it doesn't even exist. All numbers in movies and TV shows always either start with KL5 or 555. 
I love how when Amy picks up the phone, she's like, House of Insanity. And, of course, it's her mother, who's a realtor, going over stuff. I notice the grandma, the kids' grandma, is out on the patio by herself reading the paper. So, of course, Amy has Nick go get their father, who's still loading stuff into his VW bug. And he's like, hey, Dad, it's Mom. And Wayne turns around like, where, where? It's like, she's on the phone. I don't know why as a kid I thought this was funny. Where? I don't see her. She's on the phone. So Diane, of course, is asking how things went. And it's like, uh, yeah, we missed you here because it is a freaking mess. Me trying to uh, make breakfast was a disaster. I can't even make coffee either. No one ate my food. The dog didn't even eat my burnt toast and burnt eggs. How do you burn eggs? Okay, so of course we find out this Paul Tate guy... That's why Amy's like, I gotta get to the mall this afternoon. Dad picked up my dress at the dry cleaners. Because Paul Tate is gonna ask me to the dance. So Wayne gets on the phone and she's telling him, you know, Diane's saying, hey, good luck at the conference. And Wayne is just saying something that it's like, you don't have the power of... He's like, oh, if things go well today, everything will change around here. What does that mean? What's going to change? She's still going to be working, and if you get this grant, you're going to be working nonstop like you already have. What exactly is going to change? You're going to come into more money? We know in the sequel they don't even live in the area. I think they live in Nevada in the sequel because right now they're in California. So he must have made some money and moved. It's interesting, you know, it's sad that Marcia Stressman passed away, but it's just, in this movie, her hair is kind of a dull reddish blonde, but in the sequel, it's like California blonde. So Wayne gets off the phone and, of course, says, look, your mom is coming home this afternoon. In the meantime, you kids, it's Saturday. I'm sorry about them all, Amy. I'll try to get your dress. But Nick's got to mow the lawn. You, as Wayne looks around, good luck with everything. There's, like, clothes on bookshelves. There's everything just on the floor. The dog is just sitting in the middle of the floor. Like, I didn't do it. I didn't make this mess. Shoes, magazine, books on the floor. Just, it's a damn mess. So this is kind of interesting. One of these inventions is for, like, a dog treat machine. It's got three different types. It's like, one is stew biscuits, one is beef flavored, and I'm not sure about the other one. But it's got, like, old-fashioned, like, um, you know, piano, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, the things, like, you step on when you're playing the piano. I can't think of the words. But anyway, the dog, like, pushes one of them, and a biscuit drops under the conveyor belt and down a chute into his dog bowl, and he just eats it. I'm pretty sure there is something out there on the market like that for dogs. Right now we're going to come to the backyard. We got another RIP here. Carl Stevenson, I believe his name is. You've seen him in other things. He was in a a couple episodes of Punky Brewster in the 80s. In a bunch of things. And, of course, another invention, if you want to call it that, it's just had some additions put on it. It's going to be the lawnmower that can be operated with a handheld remote. Like this big old remote that looks like you'd use for like 
a remote control car, you know, car or something like that. So I like this about Nick. He is really, uh, he's got his own little uh, thing going on here. He's like, oh, I'll let you, this, this cool looking kid with a skateboard and everything comes in and Nick's like, hey, I'll let you mow half my yard. And the kid's like, hey, no, thanks. Nick takes the tarp off the lawnmower and it's like, oh my gosh, it's in my remote control with all these buttons and like toggle switches and whatnot. And so he definitely, the kid definitely, I think his name is Tommy. Because I remember that's what Wayne and Diane were shouting at him when he actually does come to the lawn. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> so next, like, hey, you throw in a box of cookies, you know, the kind of like the oatmeal cream ones. I'll let you cut the whole yard, not just half of it. Apparently he's got to meet someone named Newt. Don't know who that is. Like, eh, well, that sucks for you then, doesn't it? So... Of course, Tommy's like, hey, can I cut your yard later? And Nick's like, I don't know. My dad wants me to cut it now. Um, and the kid's like, come on. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Nick's like, okay, but don't be too late. He wants those oatmeal cream cookies big time. Those things aren't even that good. They're gross. Remember how I said I was so disappointed when I had, like, oh, the movie makes them look so yummy when they're, like, little and the cookie's, like, huge? I mean, it's not a real cookie, of course. In the movie, they, like, painted some, you know, created it for that scene. But still, like, this is such a big disappointment. I want more cookie and less oatmeal. I want more cookie crunch and less oatmeal crumbles. Nick! <laughs> as he <laughs> turns the lawnmower off, nothing like a hard day's work. So he's basically getting kids, like, hey, you want to check out my dad's new invention with the lawnmower? Do you want to use a remote control? Yeah, just give me a box of cookies. So it's like he's having kids do his chores in exchange for them giving him oatmeal cookies. I wonder if there's a Lomba. I'm going to look that up. Because I know the Roomba, I don't have one. I mean, it'd be cool to get one down the road. But I'm sure there's got to be a Lomba. But I'm seeing it. It says Lomba Robot Lawn Mower. A lot of these are all saying, like, Australia. So maybe it's not, you know, made for the U.S. just yet. I don't know. So let's jump across the fence back into the Thompson yard because Big Russ is getting all the stuff he needs for the camping trip. Like, that camper is going to be so filled with stuff, you won't be able to even sit anywhere. I mean, it's not like one of those luxury-type RVs that has a big, like, queen-size bed in the back and a bathroom shower. I don't know, maybe it has a bathroom in it. But there, oh, there's a walk set, there's a Canon camera, there's a uh, lantern, a big thermos, a bunch of, a hula hoop. That's coming with? Why? There's a bike? How the hell long are you going on this fucking trip? A month? <laughs> they're packing like they're going for a fucking month. This seems like it's a, like a weekend thing. Like you leave on a Saturday, you come back. Well, maybe it's a holiday. Well, no, because there's a dance coming up. I don't know. 
Yeah, he's going over the inventory, a lot of the frozen foods, which are going to thaw while they're just sitting there waiting to be packed into the RV. It's like, french fries, tater sticks, meatloaf. Oh, Micro Magic! Is that a brand? Because that's in the sequel, when Wayne is making little baby Adam, like, a uh, hamburger and some french fries. Veal Parmesan? Don't you mean, like, veal parmesan? Weird. Of course, Ron comes up like, hey, Dad, want to play some baseball? Does it look like he can play baseball? He's going over the inventory of stuff to put in that RV. I mean, if you guys are going to be heading out, like, early afternoon, he's got a lot of shit to do. And you have your free time. I mean, are you all packed up, Ron? Clearly, he's like, yeah, of course I'm packed up. I'm ready. I love how... <laughs> Big Ross goes down, like, his list of, like, inventory here. He's like, let's see, baseballs. I don't know, no baseball. No. Nope, no baseball. Sorry, no time. So Ron's like, hey, Russ, little Russ. I, you know, I'm just going to call Russ Russ, and then I'm going to call Big, you know, Russ Thompson Big Russ. It'll be easier. I'm going to get tired of saying Big Russ, little Russ every time. So, Ron's like, hey, Russ, pitch for me. Russ, of course, is hanging out on a lawn chair. You know, the nice reclining type that's you can stretch out on. He's probably, like, looking at the Billboard Top 100 hits of the week or the month or whatever. Of course, he's not even paying attention because he's got the magazine up in his face. And, of course, you can't see it yet, but you will when he puts the magazine down, and you see he's, like, got headphones on. Notice how I say headphones and not earbuds, because earbuds really weren't... I don't think they were. I mean, headphones... I mean, I grew up with headphones until eventually as an adult, I did the little earbuds. So now Ron is going to go over to the fence line and torment Nick, who's using... It looks like a leaf blower, but it's actually sucking stuff up. And it's sucking up crumpled pieces of paper. So is this all, like, things that Wayne jotted down and just threw out onto the lawn? Like, oh, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Crumble, crumble, toss, toss out the window. Ron, if you're looking for someone to pitch for you wherever the hell, join you in baseball, I don't think antagonizing this kid is going to make him want to play with you. I don't think that's what he's looking for. It's like, hey, Solinsky, you ever do anything normal like play baseball? Because apparently anyone that doesn't play baseball is not worth his time. And I always kind of wondered, like, what was this line when Nick's like, baseball's for mortals. What? What the hell are you talking about? Mortals? Aren't you a mortal? You're not an immortal. And Ron's like, hey, maybe you could be the base. And Nick just looks at him, shuts off his little vacuum sucker, and says, maybe you can be the mound. Ron is such a dick. Luckily, Big Russ calls him over, like, can you get your shit together? So, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't say, no, you're not going to play baseball right now. You're going to help me lug this shit into the RV. Because I ain't doing it all myself. So no, he's like, hey, Russell, give me a hand. He's got to repeat himself twice. And Russ, of course, pulls down his billboard 
Rolling Stone magazine, whatever the hell it is, and says, Dad, it's early. It's like 7.30 in the morning. Yet here you are outside, lounging in a lounge chair, fully dressed. Yeah. It's, it's not too early to listen to music and, and, and read the Billboard Top 100 hits. But it is too early to help your dad load the RV. Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. It's too damn early. How many damn fish metaphors are we going to get from this guy? The early bird catches the fish or some early worm catches the fish or whatever the fuck. Now we're going to go back to the Selinsky kitchen where, of course, no one wants to mop. No one wants to do house cleaning without music. They're too, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Can you imagine trying to do house cleaning not listening to music or podcasts? Yeah. Granted, let's take stock of this, shall we? Amy is mopping the floor. Let's see what she hasn't done. She hasn't done the dishes that are piling up in the sink and on the counters. She hasn't, like, cleared off any, anything off the kitchen island. Uh, um, you know, you know, if you were to clean a kitchen, wouldn't those be the things you tackle first? And then the very last, the very last thing you do, yeah, because you're not going to want to be on the floor, you're going to mop. And they're like, okay. oh, that water is so nat That that mop head needs to be replaced because it, bleh, you're just like, I'm mopping with dirty water, but I'm still mopping. So here we go. Russ is helping. He's got, that looks like, um, like a griddle. He's also got a food processor and a little, like, nine-inch screen television. And, of course, he's walking past the Solinsky house, sees into their kitchen, and it's just mesmerized by Amy. Apparently, Amy is the popular girl, which you wouldn't think that by looking at her. I mean, honestly, these kids are pretty average-looking. They're not, like... And they haven't really come from any, like, it's 89, so they haven't been in anything really big as far as movies go. I mean, if you think about it, the only one that really had um, Jared Rushton, who plays Ron, was in Big. That was pretty much it. Actually, it's funny, Jared Rushton and Amy O'Neill, that plays Amy were in some short-lived, I don't even think it was a, it might have been a pilot called Where's Rodney with Rodney Dangerfield, where Ron's character, whatever the hell his name is, is, like, seeing Rodney Dangerfield all over. And then, of course, we do have Soleil Moonfry in it before, the, you know, her breast reduction and everything. And But anyway, yeah, he's just mesmerized. She's, like, the... Amy's the popular girl. He's the guy who really hides in the shadows. He doesn't really come out in the daylight. Because he's kind of a loner. What the fuck are they bringing a food? How the how long are the this is this trip gonna be like? Let's prepare in case we get stuck somewhere and we're gonna need a food processor. This is nasty. <laughs> she's dancing with the mop. No big deal there. But she's got it on its head, so the mop head is facing her like it's a person, and it's just it's gross. Definitely, they both think they're, the Thompsons think the Selinskis are weird, the Selinskis, Amy especially, thinks the Thompsons are weird. It's just 
crazy. Because we got Big Russ looking at Amy dancing around the kitchen with a mop. He's like, oh, weird family. Like, you've never done. No, he's never picked up a mop and cleaned a floor in his life. Are you kidding me? That's what his wife's there doing. But he's looking over at Russ. And he's just like, what? He sees his son watching the girl and like, huh, you better not be getting any ideas about that Zelensky girl, I'll tell you that right now. So all in the middle of this packing up the RV, they have time to give Russ a lesson and, oh, start working out with these weights, this big old barbell thing. And then he's like, well... His dad's like, oh, you know, you might not, by looking at me now, you can't see it, but I was, like, big time back in the day when I was your age. Apparently he played football. And he's like, I was running in, in no time flat. I was running faster, hitting harder than anyone on that team. And you're going to do the same thing. Because, of course, we get the famous line from Russ. Dad, you know weights aren't my thing. And, of course, Big Russ gets irritated with it. He's like, so fishing's not your thing. The weights aren't your thing. Just what is your thing? And, like, his thing is listening to his Walkman and reading the top 100 hits on the Billboard charts. That's his thing. That's what he does. He's your average teenager who's not into sports. Not every teenager needs to be playing a sport. And I gotta tell you right now, just because your son isn't into sports or basketball, baseball, football, doesn't mean that he's gay either. Everyone has their own thing. It's like, it's like he, he thinks like if his son isn't into this stuff, then he's not much of a real man. It takes more than, also, it takes more than pumping that weight to be hitting harder, running faster, throwing farther. You gotta have the will and the want and the drive to do that shit. Him pumping iron for three months ain't gonna do it. If the will and desire is not there, it's not gonna work. So now Big Russ is going to sit down for a smoke break, even though he's said a thousand times he's quit. And we get, of course, the cat Smokey or Sparky or whatever the cat's name is, the black and white cat. He's like, what am I doing wrong, Spunky? <laughs> what's the, what's, the, that cat ain't going to give you advice. Like, I don't know, maybe uh, don't pressure your son into sports if he's not into them. I don't know. Spike! Damn, I was way off on all of those names. His name is Spike. Who named that? One of the boys, Ron, named that cat. He probably saw the Land Before Time. like, Spike, I like that dinosaur in Land Before Time. Guess what, kitty? Your name is Spike. Of course we see May in the doorway in the house there. Because Big Russ is just hanging out on a picnic table. And she's like, honey, you're not smoking again, are you? And he's like, oh, no, dear, you know I've given that up. Bullshit. Because he hides his cigarettes under his hat. I love how she comes out to uh, their little garden area, and he's got a cigarette in his mouth. He's not even facing her, but he spits it right out when she's like, Russell, you're not smoking a cigarette, are you? He's like, no, dear, you know I've given that up. 
<laughs> I just noticed that cat's got a set of balls on it. Like, that's an unneutered cat. Like, yes. I was not expecting that. Because the cat keeps walking back and forth on the on the top of the picnic table behind Big Russ. Like, oh, my God. That cat has got balls. Never mind. <laughs> Why I, I'm, I'm harping, I'm, I don't know, but I'm like, oh, shit. I've seen this movie a million times. I <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Okay, they're clearly going to, like, an RV park because she's got golf clubs and why are they bringing a fucking hula hoop? Is someone going to have a hula hoop competition where they're going? I don't know. So he's all ready to go. Ron is. He's got his baseball and bat and he's going to, like... Toss a few up in there. The houses are so fucking close together. That is not a good idea. As you've seen Full House, right? You know how close their damn houses are together? Real fucking close. You're not playing baseball. You might get a little lucky with the football, but you're not fucking throwing a ball in the air and slamming a baseball stick bat whatever into it because you can't tell what direction that day you want to play golf with the baseball and the baseball bat go for it but you are not throwing it in the air and swinging the bat at it for heaven's sake you got one kid who's into like stuff that you're into just leave Russell alone, Big Russ. You got Ron. He's into that shit. He's he. You got one kid. He's he's into the fishing. You know, not both your boys have to be into it. Just one. And he, Ron is swinging right at the Selinsky house. Swing at your own damn house. And you're telling me no one else heard that noise. I'm sorry, but with the houses close together, you're going to hear glass breaking. They're like, what the fuck? That wasn't my window, was it? Oh, God, it's not. But then we see the trajectory that this baseball is going on a journey once it goes through that window. It's hitting the keyboard. It's turning the computer on. It's hitting all the little switches to get the machine going. This thing is on a mission. This baseball is on a mission. Oh, it lands on the machine where the laser's gonna be hitting it. Gotcha. It's like it woke the machine up from a long slumber. Of course, guess what? Somebody did see Ron hit that baseball. It was Russ. The fuck you doing? And of course, Ron's like, I didn't do it! Nobody saw! Nobody saw anything! He's like, no one has to know. No one saw but you. Let's Let's negotiate. I'm your brother. No. Russ is like, you know what, you no, you were going over there, you were apologizing, you're not getting out of this. I don't care that you're 12 years old. What exactly could Russ be spending his allowance on that Ron is threatening? Like, I'm gonna tell him he spent your allowance on, on what exactly? Nudie magazines? I doubt it. So they're at the, the Thompson boys are at the door, Russ is like, Ron, either you tell them or I will. And, of course, Ron's, okay, bye. And it's like, oh, hell no. No, get back here. And, of course, who opens the door but Amy and Russ is just a pile of mush. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Russ Thompson from um, Next Door. And uh, this is my brother, um, Ron. And he, uh, um, yeah. So we're going to jump back up to the attic real quick as we see... Bye-bye, chair. 
bye-bye, couch. They're just, they're gone. Because guess what? The shrink ray freaking works. It works. It just needed to hit the right buttons. And it has to diffuse the laser as well. I guess that was the one part that Wayne didn't think about. Actually, no. When the door opens, it's Nick saying, aren't you in the wrong yard? <laughs> Amy's like, what's going on? Like, seriously, why are you in our yard? We've never talked in all the years we've lived next door to each other. Ron calls Nick nerd face. I'm like, dude, you're in my fucking yard. So Russ is like, can you just tell them what you did, Ron? Ron's like, all right, well, look, I was playing with my ball. Well, actually, it wasn't my ball. It was, what did he say, like Charlie Sutson or some shit? It's like, can you get to the fucking point? And here is his, here's his response. It never would have happened if their house wasn't so close. All your fucking houses are close. The fuck? That is not an excuse. That is none of these stupid, stupid boy. My ass. Really? That's your reason? Never want to happen that they're hunting until close. Fuck you. Tell me another one. So, Russ, like, look, he hit a baseball through your attic window. And, of course, like, he what? Like, fucking hell. Like, my dad's invention is up there. That thing is the only thing that's keeping our family from completely falling apart. If he fucking broke it, I'm coming after you. I would be, I would be pissed. Their parents' marriage is already in turmoil. I mean, the mom spent the night at her mother's because Wayne couldn't get that fucking thing to work. And now you got a kid throwing a fucking baseball through a fucking attic window where the new machine is. Yeah. But then again, if you think about it, if that baseball hadn't went through the window, that machine would have stayed dormant and Wayne still wouldn't have understood why isn't it doing what it's supposed to do. And Ron is like, oh, it shouldn't have been closed in the first place. It's a nice day. Ugh, ugh. You can go anywhere and throw a fucking baseball around with a bat. Go to a damn park. Go to a fucking sandlot somewhere. Anywhere. Hell, hit it through your own damn window. So Russ, of course, is like, look, we'll we'll take it out of Ron's allowance. It'll be fine. And, of course, Ron's like, my allowance? Dream on. And Russ is like, okay, fine, Ron. We'll just have Dad pay for it then. And Ron's like, we'll take it out of my allowance. Give me my ball back now. And, of course, Nick is like, oh, no. No. Until you pay... What do you say? No man shall pass through this door. Like, no, no, no. That's not how it's going to go down. So, Ron, of course, with the insults, like, you got nothing to say about a space boy. And of course, of course, excuse me. Amy's like, ugh, shut up, both of you. Nick, go get him his damn ball so we can get him the fuck out of our damn yard. So, of course, Nick's like, ugh, fine, follow me. And as he's muttering, this is what's wrong with the American justice system. <laughs> so here's Russ's line. So, uh, you, you like to dance, huh? And, of course, <laughs> the way I have it paused just looks like Amy's rolling her eyes. But she's like, how do you know? Were you spying on me? And he's like, oh, no, I mean, I saw you through the window, but, I mean, I wasn't watching. 
watching you. Really? No, you weren't wa you weren't watching her. So how could you tell she was dancing? Hmm. Yeah. So the actor who plays Russ, you can definitely tell he normally has a pierced ear, because there's an indent uh, indentation there. Of course, Ron gets to see Wayne's invention. And he, he says something like, oh, so your dad's still in contact with his home planet. <sighs> you, you don't know anything. And, of course, we see the shrink ray. We see the energy just coming out of it, pulsating out of it. And all of a sudden we hear that, ah! yeah, the kids have been shrunk. I mean, guys, come on. We know this. <laughs> Wayne is in such a hurry because now we got to get to Wayne and this shit-bombed presentation that he's got to give. He's so in a hurry that he parks in front of the building in front of a no parking anytime sign. My guess is he's getting a ticket or that VW bug is being towed. This is the blandest looking cement block building and I can't even, there's like a water fountain in the front of the building and it says like A-E-R-O-K arrow something or other. I can't tell, but it's so bland that it's the same like cement block gray of the building. You can barely make out the letters. All it says, all I can see is A-E-R-O arrow something with a K. Aerokinetic. I think it's like aerokinetics or something. So Wayne, of course, is using the whiteboard. He's got all these numbers, figures, lines here, there, everywhere. And he's like, my machine can reduce the size of bulky payloads and fuel supplies. You see, like, people starting to walk out. Like, this has no interest. So not only are people walking out, we get this fucking heckler, this fucking piece of shit in a cheap-ass suit. Not only that, but this dude, this heckler got some gross-ass looking skanky wig toupee on his head. Like, I'm to, you can laugh at this piece of shit because he's a piece of shit human being. Because he starts, like, heckling Wayne, like, asking questions like, oh, you managed to shrink one thing the size of this audience. Where's your proof? You, sir, not Einstein. And of course, Wayne's like, uh, I picked a name. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have picked Einstein. <laughs> any women if there is but it's like these old men just oh, shaking their heads like oh no no proof no proof all I see are symbols lines and numbers and letters savings to the space program see there's nothing there you don't have a picture of your damn machine you don't have a someone taking a video of you working with the machine there is fucking nothing but a damn whiteboard with numbers and letters and lines and this and that. And you talking about my machine will be able to shrink this and we'll be able to save the space program money and this and that. And I mean, I get it. This guy's like heckling his ass because like, where the fuck's your proof? All we have is your, your say so. We don't even know what this machine looks like. This guy can suck a fucking dick. I hate this man. Where's the proof? I mean, he's not wrong with that. Where's your proof? I get it. But he's just being an asshole. Go sick. Suck a fucking dick. Okay, let's move on. 
Oh, yeah. Wayne is like, oh, when Einstein <laughs> came up with the atomic bomb, did they ask him to prove it worked? And the guy's like, you, Mr. Solinsky, are hardly Einstein. Yeah, but he's got a hot-ass wife. What do you got, toupee man? Yeah. This guy's like, gentlemen, ladies, I don't know about you, but I'm going to lunch. He is no different than the asshole in the fucking sequel. Who I want to punch in the fucking four-eyed face. I'm wearing glasses so I can say that. This nice old man with the bow tie is Wayne's only supporter in this. Like, Wayne, these people are all assholes. Don't listen to them. Especially the guy with the toupee. It's like, Wayne, don't take it too hard. It takes time to convince people without proof. Bring a picture of your damn machine. Bring a video of your machine so I can at least see what it fucking looks like. Because he's got, like I said, nothing but numbers on that whiteboard. Numbers, letters, squiggles, lines, <laughs> fucking um, equations and um, whatever's, you know, formulas and shit like that. I don't know that shit, but <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't the machine. He's talking about empty space and density and shrinking shit. I mean, you don't even got a damn picture of your machine. They ain't gonna give you money just based on what your your squiggles and your drawings. Fuck. I'm sorry, Wayne, man. I mean, I, I like you, but I'm uh, you gotta have something, some type of evidence. Hey, you wanna come over to my attic? I'm gonna show you my machine so you can see that I'm actually something. <laughs> I'm not just standing up here wasting your time hoping for a grant that I'll never get. Now we're gonna cut back to the Solinsky house. It's like, the fuck? What is the deal? Why can't Nick and Ron find one fucking baseball on an attic floor? So they're like, ugh, I'm not missing the mall today. Amy's like, I gotta get there. Paul Tate's gonna ask me to the dance. If I don't show up, he's gonna think that I stood him up and then my rep as a popular girl is just, I may as well not even go to school. Oh, she's looking around the attic like, Nick, where are you? Ron, ugh, are you hiding up here? You know, Dad told you not to play around up here. And of course, Ron and A, or Ron, <laughs> No, Nick and Ron are already shrunk. But now Russ and Amy are going to be shrunk. And then the fun's going to start. Guys, this is just a build-up for the fun. I'm ready. Let's get the kids shrunk so we can go on adventures together and try to get through the damn backyard to the... Yeah, I'm ready. I am so ready. This has just been the build-up. Let's do this. Let's shrink them. So, Amy and Russ are trying to make, they're trying to figure out what happened. Like, where are we? What happened? And all of a sudden we hear, Amy, Russ, and like, Nick, Ron? So they're like, what in the, uh, Ron's response, we're all the size of boogers. There's a nail on the floor, by the way. An exposed nail. It doesn't look rusty. Can you imagine if one of them, like, just touched the, tip of it with their finger would they need a tetanus shot i don't know oh boy here we go here comes quark the dog and you know how dogs have a sixth sense because he can sense them there and he doesn't know what to make of the situation it's like 
five minutes ago, he had a house filled with people. Now, it's just him. Apparently, Quark takes this time to bark. His bark is, like, amplified because they're so small. And it's like, damn it, Quark, enough! What the hell? Shut your mouth! But <laughs> and Amy's like, be quiet, Quark! And she's, everyone's got their hands over the ears. And, of course, Quark listens because <laughs> he can still hear her. He turns and just goes down the stairs. Do you imagine them thinking, hey, let's get out of the dog, and then that way eventually we can um, just hang on him for the day until, like, Wayne gets back. And then we wouldn't have all the adventures in the yard. So Amy, of course, is blaming Nick. Nick, what did you do? And, of course, Nick's like, what, me? No, it was him. It was his ball. And, of course, Ron's like, shut up, geek. And Nick's like, we need Dad. He would know what to do. He doesn't even know that machine fucking works. He doesn't even... Yeah. Or let alone... Even if he did, he's like, well, he doesn't know how... It, well, whatever, so... Well, the phone's ringing again. Of course, Amy's just nervous. Like, if that's Paul Tate, Nick, I am going to kill you. Why would... I thought you were meeting at the fucking mall! Why would he be calling your house? Unless he's like, Amy, sorry, look, I, I, I can't make it. Something came up. Of course... Wayne decided to do a little, um, grocery therapy. He got a one bag of groceries with, it looks like maybe a chicken, and I think I see a carrot in there. Um, he also got Amy's dress. The phone's ringing. Like, can somebody get the phone? My hands are kind of full. Anybody? I had two kids here when I left. What happened to them? So, he goes to pick up the phone, of course, they don't have an answering machine, so the person just hung up. How many rings would you give a person before you're like, fuck it, they're not home, and just hang up, what, four maybe tops? Four tops! Four tops! By then, you're like, clearly they're not home, they would have picked up at least by the third ring, right? Right. If you're really desperate, make it six. And we're going to jump back upstairs to the attic. And, of course, they're like, oh, what's that? And Nick's like, yeah, it's Dad's thinking couch. So he goes he sits on it and he, like, lays on it. <laughs> but they think, hey, this is a great way so that way he'll be able to see us. If we stand on this couch, if we move it towards the door and we stand on it, surely when Dad comes up here, because he's got to come up here eventually, that he'll be able to see us. No, he won't. That's... That, couch that couch that's maybe a few inches off the floor a foot or so is not gonna make a difference it's really not because i think it says there what let me see i think it says a quarter a quarter of an inch tall that's how small they are so quark comes down as wayne's calling amy nick where are you and the quark's barking and of course wayne doesn't speak dogs the phone was not for you, Quark. Why don't you listen to your dog? He's trying to tell you something. Follow me! They're up here! In the attic! I just saw them! I just heard Amy's voice! Well, he is paying attention to his dog because he's following Quark up the stairs. What is the boy? What is it? Do you know where they are? Is he stopping at the landing? Like, are you coming or not? Come on! Now we hear a distorted... Nick! Amy, are you guys home? And 
fuck. Every time I pause this, someone's got a weird-ass expression on their face. <laughs> and Nick's like, what is that? Sounds like Dad. He'll fix us. And right away, everyone's like, Mr. Zelensky, God, God. We're down here. And, of course, Rutz at one point is like, what is wrong with your dad? Is he fucking deaf? And, of course, Amy's like, no, dumbass. We're too small. He can't hear us. Don't you get it? We also see a giant dead fly on the floor. That's nasty. It's so close to them. He doesn't even see them. One wrong move and they are all dead, squished underneath his shoe. He's not even looking when he goes <laughs> to sit down. Because it's one of those things where you're expecting your furniture to be there. So you don't even have to really look. You just sit down and you're on your couch, right? No. Because he comes in the doorway. He's looking dead on at his machine. Squinting even like, was this thing on just a while ago? I swear I turned it off when I left. And he sits down all of a sudden, boom! And it's like an earthquake to these kids because they're so small. Whoa! They all fall backwards. Wayne, of course, gets up. Where's my couch? He doesn't say, where's my chair? He's like, where's my couch? You had a chair, too, you know. Apparently, the chair was not important, just the couch. The chair was replaceable. It probably had, like, a broken leg on it or something. So, he looks at the window with the broken panes now where the base because we don't see the baseball we don't see that till much later he goes to examine the hole is he gonna look around and say well something clearly made that hole in that glass in that window where could it be and he's over there still examining the window and amy's like dad god <laughs> she just got through telling russ He's, we're too small. He can't hear us yet. Dad! Dad! I love how we cut to the doorway and Quark's expression is he's like, I'm just hanging out here. I'm just hanging out. If I could talk, I could tell you they're there. They're, you just got to get down on the floor and look closer because they're there. And Wayne is just looking around like, oh, I don't believe this. He's like, oh, what a day. He steps back, hits something that's attached to the wall. Of course, his first reaction is probably, I don't know how much a, a big percentage of this. Anyone's reaction, let me ask you this. Let's say you're Wayne. You are, you're clearly already angry because you had a shit day at that meeting, went terrible, everyone walked out. You walk that step back. Boosh! Something hits you in the back of the head. What is your first reaction going to be? Is it going to be... Well, I guess I better sweep up this glass. No, your reaction is going to be, Go oh, damn you, you fucking piece of shit! Grab that thing out of the wall! You damn machine! You've cost me everything! Ugh! 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 This bolts and screws flying through the air because that's what the kids are seeing. And they're all, like, seeing, you know, Wayne beat the fuck out of this machine... And, and it's like, no, no, it works. It works. What the hell are you doing? Shit, we're going to be like this forever. But yeah, wouldn't your reaction, or even if you like stub your toe, wouldn't anger be the first response that hits your brain over, like, say, crying? 
especially when you can turn around and retaliate by, I don't know, slamming a cupboard door or slamming shut a door or hitting the wall or I don't know, something. Maybe not everyone reacts in anger when they like stub their toe or bonk their the back of their head on something. But I'm with Wayne. My react first reaction is I want to hit something. I just want to... He's like, this is all your fault as he turns to the machine. And you, I don't even know what the hell he's yanking out of the fucking wall. Five fucking years of working on this damn thing while his wife's out trying to sell houses just so they can make their house payment and not lose their house. And it's like, no, Dad, it works. It works. What are you doing? And they're like, no, no. The kids have the right idea. It's like, we need to get the fuck away from where these screws and other doodads, you know, attachments that are just falling off of this machine as he's just beating the fuck out of it. Like, I hope you remember what you hit and broke off because it clearly it's going to have to be replaced later. He's going to be regretting having this meltdown. Can you imagine if he had that meltdown at the meeting when people started walking out? He just goes into the audience, grabs an empty chair, and just slams it into the wall. Yeah. Now, he saved his anger for when he got home and took it out on the machine. The one thing he spent the last five years of his life dedicated to instead of his wife and his kids. So, of course, he yells at Quark, stay there! Don't come into this room! There's glass everywhere! You're gonna cut yourself! So, of course, he starts to sweep everything up, and this becomes an obstacle with the kids against the broom, trying to avoid... The strands of the broom, the bristles, and of course, they get caught up in the broom because everywhere they run, that broom is like cutting off their path. They end up in the dustpan, then they end up in the trash. Luckily, they don't get cut by the glass. Can you imagine that situation? Whew! Cut them up like ribbons. So Wayne goes, throws the trash bag out on the other side of the fence, you know, so that way the trash day can, guy can come get it. Mind you, we see on the other side of the fence, Big Russ is still loading the camper. Never mind, he's not painting. Well, my kid was just playing baseball in the backyard. My other kid is lifting weights, or at least I thought he was. Like, damn, it's really quiet, mate. Don't you think it's quiet? Don't our kids normally make noise? He's not. He's so busy packing this fucking RV that he hasn't stopped and said, you know, I swear I heard my kid, like, talking baseball smack, like, five minutes ago. This poor dog! Oh, he's like, get out of the way, Quark, not now. I don't want to hear from you. I'm so angry. It's a trash bag. They should have room in there to move around. But Russ, of course, is like, hey, Solinsky, do they pick up your trash the same day they do ours? Which, I mean, they're right fucking next to each other. I'm sure they do. And Amy's like, Nick, where are you? And he's like, I'm over here. Like, way over there. And, of course, she's like, well, whose arm is this? And Ron's like, I don't know, but I ain't waiting around to find out. They find a piece of glass, luckily they don't get themselves cut on it, and they rip open the bag to get a closer view. And all we see are just giant blades of grass. So the kids are getting a peek of, because they're facing the backyard 
from the fence. And it's like, oh my gosh. And Nick's like, it reminds me of our backyard. And you just hear this ominous, like, it's a, basically when they say it's a jungle out there, these strands of grass look like big giant tree leaves in the jungle. Of course, Russ is like, something tells me we're not going fishing this weekend. No shit. So, of course, Ron's like, oh, gee, that should make it you happy since you didn't want to go anyway. And, of course, Russ is like, blow it out your shorts, Ron. Blow it out your ass. Shut up. So, Amy, of course, is like, um, hey, Nick, Dad can fix us, right? And Nick is just like, uh, I think so. It's like, well, Nick, you're the one who's been hanging around the attic when Dad's working up there. Clearly, you would know. Do you think he can fix us? He's been working on that machine for five fucking years and still has bugs to get out. Now he's got to fix the fucker after he's gave it a fucking beatdown. Um, I'm guessing it's not going to be fixed right away. But they got their own journey to get through. This is like Middle Earth journey from Lord of the Rings minus the three three-hour movies. Like, we're gonna do what the journey to Middle-earth and uh, uh, Lord of the Rings did in three movies. We're gonna do it in one 90-minute movie. We're gonna do it basically in, like, an hour because that's how much time is left of this movie. And Amy's like, we just got to get back to the house. And they're just seeing just these Blades of grass, just like, we gotta get back to the house one way or another. Ron, of course, like, I ain't going back to your house. I'm going home. It's like, the fuck you are? And you're gonna do what exactly? You need to go with them to get back to the house, to get into the fucking shrink ray machine, to get your ass back to being your normal size. You're a quarter of an inch tall, Ron. Get your head out of your butt. I know he's free. He's in freakout mode, of course. He's not thinking logically. Also, he's a teenager, so there's that. So Ron's the first one to get on the blade of grass to slide away from the garbage bag. And Ron's like, Russ, are you coming or what? And of course, Russ is like, all right, tell me the truth. Can your dad fix us? And Ron's like, Russ, we're supposed to go fishing tomorrow, remember? And Amy's like, yeah, and how are you going as bait? So Ron throws a fit. He's like, you basically calls her a bitch, although this is a PG movie, so it came out witch. And he just slides down like, all right, well, we can't stay here. So they all decide to slide down the blade of grass and kind of see, you know, take notice of where they are at kind of get their bearings like okay what are we up against they have no idea what they're up against i'll tell you that much right now yeah russ is what well we can't stay here and amy's like well we gotta stay together can you imagine if they stayed in that garbage bag because you know eventually wayne is gonna have to like okay the kids are clearly not here do you think maybe i threw them out with the trash hmm and he goes out to the trash. But we'll get to that later. But imagine, this would be a boring-ass movie if they just sat in that trash bag like, hey, let's, like, 
walk around the trash bag and try not to cut our feet on the glass. Amy is kind of a wet blanket in this movie. She's like the, I mean, she's a girl with three teenage boys. I mean, I know Ron and Nick are probably around 12 and Amy and Russ are probably around 15, 16. Well, she'd have to be 16 at least because in the movie three years later, she's going to college. So Amy's kind of taking in her surroundings and she's like, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. I love Nick's response. I don't think we're in the food chain anymore, Dorothy. Sure as hell ain't at the top of the food chain, I'll tell you that right now. They're basically slim pickings for any insect or whatever is out there. So Ross is like, hey, Ron, look, we're going to go with them, okay? And Ron is all like, you're going to let a girl tell you what to do? And he just looks at Amy and goes, ugh. And she's like, you fucking little twat. So I like how Ross takes authority here. It's like, look, Ron, and down here, you listen to me. From now on, you're going to do what I say. I think that Russ is kind of getting his courage, kind of like, you know, with with Amy there and everything, thinking like, oh, she's going to want a guy who can, like, stand up for himself. Because it seems like, even though Russ is the older brother, it kind of seems like Ron is always, you know, putting Russ down. Like, oh, you're such a wimp, or... Oh, you don't play sports, or Dad loves me better than you, or something to that. I don't know. But even still, it's like, uh, no. Down here, you're going to listen to me, and I say we're going with them. So, so shut your fucking face. And, of course, the first thing they do is they gotta run for their lives because it's a giant butterfly that is nowhere near them. Apparently, the Solinskis have mushrooms in their yard. Because they're hiding under a mushroom. So, of course, luckily, Nick always keeps a calculator on him. Just because, you know, in times like these, you definitely want a calculator. So he's like, alright, let me do some figures on the old calculator. So we are a quarter of an inch tall and it's 64 feet from the house. That's the equivalent of 3.2 miles, which anybody could do that in a fucking day. I mean, what time is this? Let's let's say it's like maybe 2 in the afternoon. Now, I've walked before. I've done 3 miles. It's usually taken me like maybe an hour and a half. I'm not a fast walker, mind you. But it's taken me about maybe an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45 minutes. Just depends on my pace. Granted, I've never been a quarter of an inch tall and had to make my way through my front yard before. They don't know what exactly... You think, oh, it's going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be a cakewalk. So simple, right? Here, three miles to the front door, right? Wrong. That may be the case, but they don't know... That they're going to have to brave the elements. I mean, it's California. It's not like it's going to fucking snow or anything or get down to freezing at night. I mean, this is clearly... What time of year would you say this is? Because this... she's talking about a dance, right? This has got to be... I've put this maybe... Maybe, let's say it's like May. Let's say it's like May, end of the year kind of dance kind of thing. I don't know what that person's doing outside. But yeah, they have no idea what's ahead of them. They don't know if there's going to be a crazy insect that's going to try to kill them. They don't know, you know, that the, the elements are just 
yeah, the odds are kind of stacked against him right now. And next, like, that's a long way, even for a man of sight. 3.2 fucking miles! You can do it in, like, half an afternoon. They're not, you're not being asked to run all the way to the house. Run 3.2 miles. You're walking there. So Amy's like, look, Nick, I'm on a time crunch here. I got six hours to get home, get big, and get my ass to the mall. Can you move it? Apparently the butterfly had a wingspan of 42 feet. That's just because you're short. That's because you're tiny. And the thing looks humongous. So, surprise, surprise, guess who made it home? Diane, she's home. She sold a house so they can eat for the next month, right? Great. Yeah, the, this big estate, because it's California, the Borsteins bought it, which we'll get to the Borsteins later. Oh, talk about Boar. Um, <laughs> she's like, I only had to show it to them like 12 fucking times. <laughs> but luckily, I was able to close the deal. So she asks, you know, they're pretty civil for having just had, like, a big fight where she goes and stays in her mom's house. She's like, hey, how'd the conference go? And he's like, uh, I got a lot of laughs. And she's like, oh, Wayne, I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, I failed, Diane. I, 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 I'm going to get my old job back if I can even get my old job. What was his old job? I'm curious. Did he just call her Diana? And he's like, but from now on, things are going to be different. Will you stop saying that? You're making promises you can't keep. Different how? We look in the kitchen and it's a fucking shithole. Like, I thought you said the kids were going to clean the damn house. Other than the floor being sopping wet, I don't see anything that's been done. Dishes are still in the sink. The, the counters are covered with junk. The house looks like I should set it on fire. It's that bad. What did they do exactly? Oh, I noticed that the lawn hasn't been cut either. Because she's like looking around the kitchen. It's like different. Ah, uh, yeah. Is that a giant turkey? And she's like, oh, where are the kids? And he's like, well, I haven't seen them since I left for the conference this morning. That's why I told them to clean up. That's why they cleaned up. And she's like, ah, uh, yeah, I see how they cleaned up. Uh-huh. That house looks so fucking tiny for four people. I can see why in the sequel they got a bigger damn house. Granted, they're losing a daughter to go to college in the sequel and they gained a little two-year-old son. Yeah, because I'm sure a boy like Nick loves to go to the mall. That's a, that's, I don't know. Nick doesn't look like the type that would go to the mall. And do what? He's not into video games. He's not into sports. Do they got a science store at the mall? So they're helping each other put that one bag of groceries away. It's like, hey, um, you want to hear something strange? My thinking couch is missing. She's like, the one from the attic? He's like, yeah, isn't that weird? I'm like, who the fuck would break into our house and steal our couch? I mean, the couch, guys, it was garbage. The dog was chewing on the, the, the end of it. It just, it looked like it was ready for the dump. But... It was his thinking couch. That's where he came up with... It's probably where he came up with the idea for the uh, the shrink ray. Just hanging out. You know, sitting on the couch. Pondering. Like all inventors do. They ponder. They think. They brainstorm. They come up with amazing things. 
I've seen that stairwell. How the fuck did you think get that couch up there? How the hell? <laughs> it's amazing how you look at some, you know, stairs to someone's house. You're like, how the fuck did you get this dresser up here? So, yeah, my God. We had this, we have this big fucking long dresser upstairs. And when we moved into the house, my dad, of course, all four of us, me, dad, Jeremy, and Pam all had to, like, we put a blanket on the stairs and we kind of flipped the, the dresser, like, on its, like, on its top. And just, like, tried to pull it up. This Because there's, and now that we're eventually going to be moving, it's like, how the fuck are we going to get that dresser down the stairs? It's so fucking heavy. Minus, we don't have, I don't, I don't know. It's just, the thing's fucking, and the damn, like, bottom drawers are fucking, like, broken in it. So, I don't, anyway. <laughs> so, now we're going to get to the kids. They're walking along, and Ron's like, or Russ is like, hey, Ron, isn't this better than those nature hikes that Dad would have us do it, like, six in the morning on a Saturday. And he, he's, Russ is talking and he's like, ah! And we see it's a fucking toy dinosaur. And Amy's like, Nick, don't you ever pick up your toys? And Ron is all like, what a wimp! <laughs> you freaked out over a toy It's a toy Tyrannosaurus Rex. This thing must be very small if it's lost in the grass. Apparently, the mall closes at 1 on Saturday, which sounds fucking stupid. What mall closes that damn early on a Saturday? You'd think Saturdays would like, be some of the busiest days because kids aren't in school on a Saturday. And not to mention, adults, too. I mean, they probably have Saturdays off. Like, this is my day. I'm going to the mall. I worked all week. I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to check out the food court. Yeah, that's what adults go to the mall for, the food court. <laughs> Speaking of malls, those are kind of going extinct, too. I mean, no kids really go to the mall to hang out anymore. No, they go to... No one goes anywhere right now with things going on. Yeah. And Ron is, like, going down a rabbit hole that it's just like, okay, I think you want to stop yourself. He's like, what if we're time shrunk, too? It's hours to us, but years to the rest of the world. I... Don't have an answer for that. Um, the only thing I can think of that is so far off base would be Narnia. When the kids go to Narnia and they are in Narnia for years, they become adults. And then they, like, what's this? What? It feels like a closet. Poof! They pop out of the closet and they're, like, 12 and 10 and 8 years old again. Like, the fuck? Wow. It felt like years went by, yet we're... Still the same, and it turns out it's only been minutes. Like, mm. <laughs> of course, Russ is like, oh, that'd be so sweet. My teachers would all be retired. Would they? Would they? But of course, Nick's like, oh, that's impossible. Time doesn't exist. Blah, blah, blah. What is a river doing in your yard? Ron asks. It's probably the dog that went and took a piss in the yard that the ground hasn't soaked it up yet. And that's even what Russ says. It's like, it's, it could be a fucking dog pee, and it looked like a river to us. Oh, don't go swimming in it. Ugh. Oh, Russ was like, it could be a stream of dog pee, and it looked like a river to us. 
Of course, Ron, like, throws, like, a pebble into, like, hey, let's go swimming. And, of course, we see another dead ant or something. And Amy's like, ugh, I'm not swimming. That, that I wouldn't be swimming in it even if there wasn't a bug floating down that pea river. Ugh. I love Nick's response when we see that dead. It's not a flight. It's something else. When Amy's like, ugh. And Nick's like, have a ball, baby. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> oh, God. Here we go, Mr. Ingenuity. Russ. Hey, if we could get a rope and some logs, we could tie the rope to get the, the logs together with a rope and we can make a raft if we had some logs, which we don't. So, yeah, just scratch that. Oh, a log bridge, not a raft. Okay. You know, a stick is kind of like a log. Uh, Amy just looks at Ross like, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. this is why you're not popular. You have dumb ideas. There we go. Oh, Nick here with the brain. He's like, Quark. And it's like, what? What about him? And Nick's like, hey, we can, um, we can ride him. Like, we can get him. We can ride him back to the house. See, 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 guys. Remember I said, get on the dog. Stay on the dog for the whole day. You're going to be in the house. But then again, like I said, we wouldn't have a movie if that were the case. It's like, hey, we're going to ride on Quark the whole day. He's going to go to the bathroom. He's going to go scratch some fleas. He's going to, like, lick his butthole. No no one wants to be around for that shit. Amy's like, Quark can't hear us. Really? Then why do you say, be quiet, Quark, and he turned around and left? The dog can fucking hear you. Nick's right. The dogs have great ears. Amazing ears. They can hear more than any human ever could. They can hear for great distances. So of course, Nick's like, hey, if we get on him, he'll take us all the way back to the house. Problem solved. We won't have to walk the 3.2 miles because Quark can do it for us. So he's like, whistle. <laughs> and of course, Rust can't whistle. And Amy's like, anybody can whistle. Just put your lips together and blow. You got to wet them first, though. <whistles> see? There you go. And, of course, we cut to the house. And we see Quark hanging out underneath the kitchen table. And he's like, what's that noise? What's that noise? I hear noises. Of course, we're going to run into a little issue known as the Thompson's cat Spike that can't stay in his own fucking yard. You see, you can do a little snip, snip. That kid's going to stay in that yard. Maybe. I don't know. So, Nick's suggestion, let's climb this flower so we can see over the grass, kind of get our bearings. And apparently this is one of those flowers that has prickers, which isn't a problem for them. They just use them as stepping spots. And we learn also that Nick is allergic to pollen, so not only... Is he kind of a, you know, 1980s, you know, bespectacled nerd boy? He also has allergies, like, it seems like the glasses, the nerd, the science, the allergies back then. It's like, that was your typical typecast nerd. Like, not only is he smart, not only does he wear glasses, but he also is allergic to shit. So now we're going to cut back to the house. We got Diana on the phone. She's trying to get a hold of Amy's friends. Like, hey, if you see Amy, let her know. 
that she needs to be home. We're expecting her. I'm getting a look at this. I think that it's November in California. Yeah, so, yeah, it says November. I'm going with November. And Amy's not at Patty's house, and Nick's not at the Colsters, so... And Wayne's all like, well, they gotta be somewhere. Have you tried next door? And Diane's like, hanging out next door to the Thompsons. You're kidding, right? They'd rather be in school. So Quark, of course, needs to go outside. So now we're gonna go down to the kids. They're climbing the flower. Well, at least the young boys are. Russ, of course, is like, hey, look, I'll go up there and keep an eye on them. I love the detail on these flower stalks. I mean, they got the, the prickers on them, but they also got, like, fine little, like, hairs. Like, they're really, like, microscopic. You can't even see them without a microscope hairs. The detail in these are just amazing. I love it. Nick actually gets high enough on that flower stem to be able to see over the top of the grass. That's where he sees Quark. Like, hey, it's Quark! And he starts whistling for him. And he's like, oh, shit. And Amy, of course, can't see anything because she's down on the ground while all three boys are climbing up this flower stem. And she's like, what is it, Nick? And he's like, damn it, it's their fucking cat! Their stupid cat! And Ron's like, our cat is not stupid. And Nick's like, well, he just chased Quark away. It's like, this cat came into this dog's yard, and this dog was scared of it. Oh, my goodness. Quark, you need to, you need to dog up, if that's a term. And if that's not a term, it needs to be. Put on your big dog pants, even though you're a little dog, and uh, show that kitty cat who's boss. Eventually, he does do that, so. Um, but... Of course, even though they're shrunk, the combined weight of all three boys causes this stem, this pricker stem, to start to shake. And since Nick's at the top, of course, he starts to slip off and lose his grip, and he falls into a flower, which... Amy's like, but you're allergic to pollen. And Nick's like, yeah, but I'm too little to breathe it in. It's not a big deal. But it's a big deal in a different way because now we got a swarm of bees that, of course, you guys know bees collect pollen, whole cross-pollination thing. I mean, the pollen strands are as big as Nick's head, or as long as Nick's head, so. And he demonstrates by taking a couple pieces because he's covered in it and smelling it, but he ends up sneezing. So at least... Diane and May are civil neighbors. I mean, their kids might not get along. Um, Wayne and... I don't think that Wayne really has a big issue with with Big Russ. I really, I think it's more the other way around. And May's like, oh, hi, Diane. We haven't seen you around much lately. And, of course, she's like, well, I've been working. I'm like, you. <laughs> Someone's got to support this family. My husband can't do it. So May's like, have you seen Ronnie or Russ? Or, uh, Ronnie or Russ? I guess she calls Ron Ronnie. <laughs> and, of course, Diane's like, well, I can't find Nick and Amy. Like, can you, if you see them, can you send them home immediately? 
And of course, May's like, yes, yeah, same thing if you see mine. They're still packing a fucking RV. He's bringing a damned microwave, everybody. And of course, May's got like a paper sack with, I don't know, cereal or something. And she's like, you know, Russell, the Selinsky kids are missing too. So, okay, so they know that their kids are clearly not there. They're not hiding in the house anywhere. And of course, Big Ross has to say, oh, well, if the Selinsky kids are smart, they probably joined the circus. No, that's a toaster oven because it's got three different dials on it. How much shit are you bringing with you for just the fucking weekend? And Big Russ is, like, calling for the kids, you know, Ronald, Russell, where you at? We're leaving. And, of course, we got Diane, who's calling for Amy and Nick. I'm like, what's that noise? That sounds like Mom. Of course, Amy's on the, the ground level there. She's like, it sounds more like a swarm of... And Nick's like, bees! Oh, shoot! And he's still in that flower. He hasn't attempted to try to get out of it. Is he taking a break? Like, give me five minutes. Now it's going to cost you maybe your life. Of course, that would scare the hell out of me. That giant, that bee has got some fine detail how they, I mean, what, just amazing. Everything about this is just amazing. And Nick's just screaming like, Amy, get him away from me. Get him away from me. And it's like, oh, the poor kid. And Russ doesn't even think twice. He jumps on that bee's back. Like, I'm... You know, he's helping Nick out. So now the kids are going to get separated. So you have Russ and Nick, and then you're going to have Ron and Amy, who clearly can't fucking stand one another. So I like that Russ is taking control. Like, hey, Nick, give me your hand. You know, he's screaming him because, of course, over that bee's wings, it's probably really loud. But he's trying to help him out so they can at least stay on the bee. Now we're down to uh, the ground again where Ron is all like, we're never going to find Russ. It's all your stupid dad's fault. It's like, shut the fuck up, Ron. My brother's up there, too. No one forced Russ to jump on that bee. He made that decision all his own. Apparently, this was like a a thing at the Disney World back in the early 90s, the late 80s when the movie came out. Kids could, like, do this stunt and... I want to see. I think that might even be on YouTube. So on the B, <laughs> they're just kind of on the B, they going all around the Solinsky backyard. We see all the laundry being uh, hung up on the clothesline, and the B even goes through. I'm guessing it's Wayne's underwear. That's gross. <laughs> so Diane says, "Look, I'm getting worried. I'm gonna go look for them at the mall. So you stay here." So Wayne's like, okay, yeah, I'll stay here in case they come back. Of course, Big Russ has got to open his big fucking mouth. He's like, hey, Solinsky. And you just see Wayne just rolling his eyes like, what the fuck does this asshole want now? This guy's probably always on Wayne's case about the noise and everything else. So this is really no different. Russ, uh, Big Russ is like, hey. Your lawn's beginning to look like the Amazon. And of course, Wayne's like, yeah, producing oxygen, Russ. We all gotta do our part. The jungles are receding everywhere. Uh-huh. So the bee, of course, gets by Big Russ, who just starts, like, swinging a thermos at it. And now it goes back over the fence into the Selinsky yard. And, of 
Wayne ends up picking up a bat, which of course he doesn't think, like, oh, what's the bat doing in my yard? My kid. But he'll realize that later. Poor Russ and Nick are all like, don't kill us, stop, we're on the bee. Can you imagine being on that bee and then almost getting clobbered by a bat? Holy shit, that's gotta be frightening. Apparently it's too much for the bee being hit by the bat, so it's going down. I can imagine, like, I don't know what their combined weight would be being shrunk, but I can imagine probably that weight isn't a whole, because the bee already has pollen on its legs, which weighs it down enough. But, yeah, their weight isn't helping, so of course they get thrown off into another part of the yard. Whether they're closer or farther away from the steps, I don't know. Of course, Diane is like, Wayne, by the way, uh, it's if the Borsteins come by, their escrow papers are in my briefcase. Why the fuck would you have him handle that shit? Unless all he's got to do is give the papers to him. Oh yeah, she's like, think you can handle that? He's like, uh, yeah, sure. He looks at him like, yeah, I don't really trust you. And he's like, there was a bee on me. And she's like, yeah, right. And now he looks at the bat and he's like, what the fuck? Nick doesn't play baseball. And then he looks at, the, finally looks up, sees that cracked window. It's like, the fuck? So now we get back to Ron and Amy. And Ron is convinced, like, I never woke up this morning. This is all a bad dream. When I get up, Dad and I will be going fishing. He's like, you're just a nightmare, Amy. When I get up, I'll be going fishing. Fuck off. She's like, I'm warning you. I will fucking kill you. Of course, he puts his fingers into his ears and goes, <laughs> and then finally she's like, you know, Ron, you, maybe you're right. This is all just a bad dream. But if it was, could I do this? And she yanks on his ear like she's going to rip it off. He's like, ah! And she's like, wake the fuck up and let's go. I don't want to hear about your fucking delusions. And she's like, if you were my brother, I'd put myself up for adoption. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I hope your face ends up on a milk carton. You know, back in the 80s when missing kids were on milk cartons? Yeah. I, mean, I never drank from a milk carton. I usually drank from a jug. I don't remember ever seeing any missing kids on milk cartons. Remember the movie, The Face on the Milk Carton, like the book? Finally, Wayne is putting the pieces together mentally, the pieces of the puzzle. As he goes up to his attic, he's like, okay, let's see here. Oh, there's no glass in the... Oh, that's right, because he's looking around. Like, hmm. Oh, he's on the ground. He's, like, crawling around on the floor of his attic, and he sees the couch. Oh, he does see the chair, which has been demolished, probably by his foot. And he picks up the couch, and he looks up at the machine. It works. Well, it did fucking work until you took something to it and just beat the hell out of it. I mean, I don't think it's going to work now. You might need to uh, fix some shit. So I think he th now is thinking, okay, the kids clearly are shrunk. He's like, Nick, Amy. It's like, no, you threw them out. So he goes out with a magnifying glass, and he sees the hole that they used to uh, open the trash bag. 
And it clearly is probably like, well, then they clearly... Can you imagine if they, like, got to the other side of the garbage bag instead and they were on the sidewalk? Because there's... Well, wait, no, that's their backyard. What the hell am I thinking? Duh. Wait a minute, no, isn't that their front... This is their front yard! Wait, no, it's not, it's their backyard. Oh, my God, my head's all over the place, guys. So, of course he goes to step into his yard... Uh, and sticks, lifts his foot up like, oh shit, what if I stepped on them? So he's like, well, this isn't going to work. I can't just go traipsing through my yard up to the door. So he's like, I'm going to go to the fence and just work my way along the fence to be able to get to my back door. Mind you, now we get a view from the, um... From the Thompson's house, and they're seeing this man walking along his fence, you know, crawling along the side of the fence. And they're like, oh, this guy's a fucking weirdo. But then again, he's an inventor, so they probably don't think much of it. Just just add a more, more weirdo facts to the file. That is Wayne Zielinski. This, this is the weirdest fucking thing you could do in 1989. Because May is like putting fruit from a bag into a bowl. They're like, I don't think they're coming back. They're going on this RV trip, and this trip is like, they're just going to keep going. They're not going to stop the, just stop the lake. They're going to keep going, because they're packing for forever. Every damn thing in their house, their toaster oven, their microwave, their little table, everything. Holy fuck. That RV doesn't even look that big. But even Big Ross is like, still, like, putting everything. <laughs> they are emptying their house and putting it in their RV. They're, like, literally taking everything out of their house and putting it. They're like, we're not coming back, guys. We are not coming back. This is going to be our life, us on the road in this cramped RV. But he's looking at Wayne, like, mm-hmm, and, like, I don't get you. I don't think I'm supposed to get you either. Uh-huh. Just him being weird. Wayne looks, and he and Big Ross, like, meet, uh, like, <laughs> look right at each other. Oh, my God. So Wayne thinks he's gotten close enough, so he takes a flying leap from the fence and lands on his back porch steps right around that area. You know, where there's no grass. All right, we got to get back to the kids here. Um, So we got back to... Russ and Nick. Nick is still covered with bits of pollen on his face. Looks like he uh, is a little out of commission there. Russ is like, Nick! Nick! And Nick opens his eyes and of course like we see Russ's big blurry face come into frame and he's like, oh god. My life just flashed before my eyes. It didn't take that long. Well, it, you've only been alive for 12 years. How many big moments could you have in 12 years? Other than, you know, your birth and all these other things. All these little moments. He even swallowed some pollen. Like, bleh, bleh, bleh. So, Nick, of course, is freaked out. Which, of course, he is. Uh, and he's like, I'm scared, Russ. And, of course, Russ is like, you know, I think we're still in your backyard. And Nick's like, well, how do you know? And Russ says, any other yard and the grass would be shorter. 
So definitely a lot of cracks at the fact that the grass needs to be mowed. First, now let's jump to Ron and Amy because they're, um, well, at least Nick and Ross are getting along. Amy and Ron are about seconds from fucking killing each other. Gah! I would punch the shit out of this fucking kid. He's like, yeah, your dad will go to jail and your mom too. He's like, after all, your mom's the one that paid for it. She's, she's an accomplice. What is she he talking about? The machine? I don't know. He's like, do you know what it's like in jail? I'm like, do you, fuck not? And Amy is like, I'll tell you once more to shut up. And he's like, what? And then you'll hit me? You'll go to jail too. Kid, you are a moron. The moroniest of morons. And Ron's all like, after a big bee ate my brother, you smacked me around. Yeah, uh-huh. No jury in the world would convict you. Oh, no jury would fail to convict you. Fuck off, kid, you're 12. You don't even know how the jury system works. She ain't going to jail because she's fucking slapped your face around a few times, which you sorely need. The Solinsky family will be in jail for life. And she finally whirls around him and is like, look, my dad's machine works. All right? As soon as he gets us back to our regular size, we're going to be so fucking rich that you aren't even going to be able to stand it. She's like, we're going to be so rich you'll regret this. And then for a second, Ron's like picturing it in his head. He's like, you know, Amy, I, I've always admired you. And uh, Nick, I've always thought of him as an, a little brother. It's like... Fuck off. Yeah, he turns on a dime. He's like, you know, Amy, I've already always liked your family. Your dad's a real nice guy. He's not as weird as I thought. I love you and Nick like my own brother and sister. Yeah, right. Just like the same people that come out of the woodwork when you win the fucking lottery. Oh, I'm your cousin twice removed. I got a business. I'm going to start up. I need some money. Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, here's a new attempt. Wayne is using crutches. He's got his special hat with the magnifying glasses on it. He's got the um, the binoculars really going to town. Like, like he thinks like, oh, just by doing this, because he's on like stilted crutches. He, he thinks just by doing this, he's going to magically see his kids. Like, no, they're more below the grass. It's like he's hoping, like, maybe if he looks hard enough, he'll see, like, a piece of clothing or something that resembles the kids. Do you even remember what your kids were wearing that day? Of course, now Ron's like, oh, it's just my dad doesn't understand your dad. And Amy's like, your dad is a fucking moron. He doesn't understand anything. Um, now Wayne trying to find his kids has created a problem because he's not paying attention. His... One of his stilt crutches, like, caught on the end of the garden hose, which has been wrapped up around the spigot by the house. It's turning, the force of it is turning the spigot on. And they have, of course, underground sprinklers. This is going to create a hell of a problem for the kids, especially... Uh, I mean, it's one thing if it were raining, but this is just, like, droplets of, you know, water just hitting them. It's like, shit. And it's like, where the hell do you go to take cover? You're in the grass, basically. He's still on his stilts. 
looks like, oh my gosh, I'm getting hit with water. <laughs> your first step in that brain of yours is like, oh shit, I need to turn the damn water off. But he's got like binoculars like attached to his helmet and everything, and he's on stilts. He's like, uh, 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 uh. oh, one of the stilts is connected to the damn garden hose, like the nozzle on the end. Like, fuck. And he's so scared, he's gonna like fall back, land on the grass, and smush the kids. And now he's like, oh, I'm just gonna take cover on the clothesline. Oh, the clothes will hold me. Oh. How many fucking pairs of underwear are on the damn glove fly? There's at least like three to four pairs. Now we see the kids, you know, we got Nick and Russ that are trying to find cover somewhere and just all these droplets of water from the sprinklers are just creating like big giant pools of water that you could probably drown in. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh... We got uh, <laughs> the Borsteins here. They look like rich fucks with their clothes. I don't know. They look stupid. Oh, <laughs> they're coming by for the escrow papers. They see this man wrangling, like getting caught up in the clothesline. It's like, the fuck? <laughs> We're trusting this guy with our. They get uh, one of those manila envelope things that says tax returns 1986 to 1988. With their name Borstein's on it. So, the man is like, Mr. Solinsky, why are the Borstein's? And wait to get off the grass! Get off the grass! And they're like, the fuck? Like, okay, okay, do what he says. Get on this little, uh, little, uh, patch of cement here. So affronted when he's like, get off the grass! I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, that's right. Uh, Diane went to the mall. I thought the mall closed at like one in the afternoon. Because Amy's like, well, it's one o'clock. So much for the mall. Unless that's when she and Paul Tate were going to meet each other. So, of course, I think they're by, they're like some, by some rigid rock or something. I don't know whether it's like the flag or whatever. They got a flag in their yard. And they're just like covered in, in wet goo. And... Amy, from her vantage point, her perch, sees Nick. And he's like, Nicky! And, of course, a big drop of water just hits her, knocks her off that ledge and into some watery brown, like, gross mud slide goo. So, I love how Russ takes action here. He slides down on this blade of grass into this murky, gross snot water, gets Amy out of there. Of course, she's, like, not breathing, so he's got to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which is kind of hard to do when Nick is, like, getting in the way, like, please don't die, please don't die, Amy, please don't die. Um, There was, I heard, because there's another review of this movie on the Hey Do You Remember podcast. Check it out. It's awesome. They, he mentions that originally there was going to be a fifth kid that ended up dying on this journey, which, <coughs> excuse me, Disney, of course, thought that we don't want to do that. No. Definitely that would have been too dark for this movie. So now we're going back above ground level to Wayne finally running over, turning off the water 
the sprinklers, and he's like, uh, the, the, the lawn, it's, it's very delicate, the lawn, we take good care of the lawn, and, yeah, um, yeah, he's got, like, his boxer shorts hanging off his shoulder, so, yeah, we're going down there, uh, Russ has got Amy, pulled her out, trying to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, Nick is, like, hovering, like, right in his vantage point, he's like, Nick, you need to move so I can help your sister. Uh, he plugs her nose, gives her a few, like, at least four breaths. <laughs> Luckily, she coughs up the water. <laughs> and Nick is, like, right there, his arm around her neck, like, thank God, thank God you're alive. Now we're going to cut to Diane at the mall. Another, like, cement block building that is so drab looking. It's so gross. Apparently the mall is still open because there are kids there enjoying some um, Orange Julius or DQ or whatever. And she's going to a payphone. Remember payphones back when they were a plentiful? They're non-existent now. You can't find a payphone anywhere, I don't think. So she's trying to call home, and now it's going to sound like Wayne isn't there even though he's in the backyard. He's got this, he's an inventor. He's got the TV on one end. He's got himself in a sling trying to cut, literally combing through the grass with his fingers looking for the kids. All right, now we're going to go over to the Thompson's house because remember how he said the foresters or whatever the fuck they are uh, were coming by after lunch? They got a souped up looking RV compared to uh, the Thompson's. They got a sweet ass RV. They got some fucking kitschy sounding uh, novelty horn. It's like, fuck. Because they're dealing with where the fuck are the kids, right? So, you can't tell them the truth if the kids ran off. So, Big Russ has got to come up with an excuse. And boy, is it an excuse that really doesn't leave a lot of room for explanation. Nor does anyone want it to be explained. So, apparently, <laughs> as this... I've always thought this this man looks like a poor man's Jason Alexander. Um, <laughs> is this his wife, or is this his like nineteen year old daughter, or is it his twenty five year old um, trophy wife? I don't fucking know. She's clearly an animal lover. He's like, look, you brought the dog, okay? I don't want to hear any more about the cat. Whose cat? Her cat or the Thompsons' cat? The Thompsons are not bringing that fucking cat with them. No way in hell are they bringing that cat with them. The cat's gonna spray all inside that RV. Mind you, the cat still has its balls attached, so of course it's gonna stink up that RV. So apparently he and Mr. Forrester, wherever the fuck his first name is, I don't know, are all, they got this little ding, 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 look at my, my hands like a fish and you got a fishing rod and ding, 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 and the, they got their own handshake deal going on. It's like, ugh. So apparently, um, everything's all set to go, like, get your, why are you not ready to go in your RV? Let's go. I called so-and-so at the lake, the bass are biting like crazy. Let's go. The Fisher. And, of course, okay, the lady's name is Gloria. And, of course, she's looking in the little rearview mirror, and she sees Wayne hooked up to his little stretcher thing, kind of going around in rotation in the backyard. And he's like, Donald, that man over there is flying. Just like that. Some nasally-ass voice. And, of course, Donald's like, sure they are, Gloria. Uh-huh. 
his life. A fucking moron. What's with the life preserver, bitch? How are you doing a Marty and McFly uh, impression from 1953 or whatever, what time of year it's supposed to be in the future? So, Big Ross is like, hey, look, we can't, we can't go. You might want to go on ahead. And the guy blows a fucking shit gasket. He's so pissed off. What do you mean you're not going to be able to make it? We're caravanning. She's like, Donald! And he's like, not now, Gloria! I'm talking to Russ! Apparently he's going to lose his deposit if he's not there by six. So, pretty much what Russ's excuse is, you know, May hasn't been feeling too well, you know, plumbing, like, she's on her fucking period right now, and I just, I don't want to take her with me, I don't want to chance it, And, of course, Donald's like, plumbing? Plumbing would not stop the big Russ Thompson that I know. So, your wife's never been on the rag, Donald? You want to take a, someone like that fucking fishing? Someone who's on the period? Who, who the hell wants to do anything on their period? Nobody does! Uh, lay on the couch and fucking binge watch Netflix or some shit. No one, wa- no one wants to go on a trip in an RV or just anything, especially not like that, when they're on their period. You're moody, you're tired, you're crampy, you're bleeding out your hoo-ha. No, just no. See, that's why I track my period, so I know when it's going to hit. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything this week except for work. Well, I'm not working. No, no one's working right now, really, are they? But still, it's just like, hell no. I don't want to go on a trip when I'm on my period. And back in 1989, when I saw this movie, I didn't know what the fuck plumbing, you know, quote unquote plumbing was. But <laughs> you now as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, she's on, she's on her period, basically. They didn't want to spell it out. That, I mean, this guy's got to be like 40 years old and his wife's got to be like 22, 23 of course, Don, as he gets into his RV, looks back and sees, like, this, like, um, Wayne Selinsky making his rounds on the thingamajiggy. I don't even know what you want to call it. So Big Russ is back in the house after the Foresters leave. And he's pissed off because it's, like, 80 bucks, May, can you believe it? Non-refundable $80. I'm like, Dude, your fucking kids are missing. Granted, they don't know that yet. They just thought, oh, well, maybe they didn't want to go fishing, so they went to the... I'd be more concerned about your children and where the fuck they are. $80? I mean, I don't know what the hell he does for a living. I know it's nineteen eighty nine eighty dollars which maybe that's, like, closer to, like, a $200 deposit in 2020. I don't know, but damn... He's like, those kids are grounded. And I'm like, well, you got to find them first. Good luck there. Because even Wayne Selinski is not able to find his kids. So after the whole fiasco with the sprinklers, the kids are cleaning up, well, as best as they can clean up. And Amy's like, ugh, mud is still mud no matter how small you are. And she's like, I can't believe that people charge money for this stuff. Meaning like those mud masks that women wear to uh, reduce wrinkles or clear their face up or whatever. So Amy, of course, is thanking Russ for saving Nick's life. And of course, Nick comes over. He's like, well, what about you, Amy? He saved you too. It's like, yeah, I think she knows that. 
So Nick, of course, is asking Russ, like, where do you learn artificial respiration? In other words, CPR. And he's like, French class, kid. And of course, this is a joke that comes back at the end of the fucking movie. And I'm like, why did we... French class, French kissing, they're not even remotely the same thing. He's not sticking his tongue down her throat while he's trying to breathe into her. Yeah. I mean, she already is unconscious. I doubt she wants to wake up with your tongue down her throat. Oh, Amy goes up to Ron and is like, hey, how about a truce? And then she goes to shake his hand. He's like, okay. And she's just got a bunch of fucking mud in it. (laughs) Yeah, right. So Amy notices the rock with all the ridges, which is pretty much where they have a flag in their yard. So she's like, I think we're at the halfway point in our yard because this is where the flag would be. Like, all right, cool. Well, I mean, Nick did say it was like 3.2 whatever miles. And, I mean, they've only had a couple setbacks, you know, with the sprinkler and the bee. I think that's about it. Oh, of course they're teenagers, you know, at some point while walking, they're going to get Hungry. They're all like, oh, I want ice cream sundae with chocolate sprinkles. The banana split. Of course, Ron's like, gosh, I could eat a corn dog the size of a truck. And of course, Russ is like, Ron, if you had a corn dog, it'd be the size of a truck. It probably would be. Amy, of course, is the first to know. We don't see what she's seeing just yet. She's like, I've died and gone to heaven. Looks like it's as big as a house. And... Ron's like, I saw first it's mine, and they all take off running, and we see one of Nick's oatmeal cream cookie pies. They should just, it's an oatmeal cream pie. There is no cookie to it in my mind. That is not a cookie. It's basically an oatmeal, two halves of an oatmeal, I guess if you want to call it cookie, but with a shit ton of cream in the middle. I mean, this thing looks edible. From this standpoint, like, it looks good because it looks like a regular crunchy cookie. Granted, it's not real because they had to... I wonder what they're actually eating, like whipped cream or something like that. I mean, it looks good the way they're grabbing at the cookie part. And it's just like, oh, and the cream filling is so good. Just take off a hunk of cookie, dab some, a big old handful of that... That cream and you're golden. Like, oh, oh. So, of course, Ron's like, oh, man, they're never going to believe this in school. And I look, Nick's like, I can just see the note to the teacher. Dear Miss Mason. Nick's not absent. He's pinned to this note. Granted, his mouth is full with cookie and cream, so you can barely make that out. And we cut to Amy, who's like, what is that noise? And we see a giant ant. Holy shit. Of course, you drop a cookie in the grass. There would not just be one lone ant. There would be a... It would be fucking crawling with ants. Mind you, they're much smaller than the ant, so the ant looks enormous. They're scared the shit out of me. I mean, those mouth pinchers? Ugh. It's so, like Amy screams and runs. Russ is like, guys, come on, get out of there. Because they can't see. It's like a cookie roof. They're right in there with the cream. So Ron, of course, is like, gosh, I wish we had some bug spray because they're hiding. And Amy's like, shut up. T- 
to him, we are the bugs. And if he finds us, he'll eat us. Like, uh, I don't think that ants are carnivores. I don't think they are. So Ron, of course, like, hey, it's our cookie. I say we fight for it. It's just one ant. And Rose is like, Ron, when have you ever just saw one ant? I can say I've never seen just one ant. Because ants know never to travel alone. They travel in herds, packs, whatever you want to call it. So Nick's got an interesting idea here. Well, everyone's like, oh, we can fight the ant for the cookie. Nick's like, well, wait a sec. Because you know the thing with the dog didn't work out. What if we can get him to take us to the house? So Nick, Mr. Science here is like, Amy, look, he can take all of us. Ants can lift 50 times their weight. And Ron, of course, is impressed like, 50 times? That's like bench pressing a bulldozer. Sure, great. Now the only thing is, how are they going to get the ant to cooperate? Well, this is a thing for the boys. It's like, it turns into like, hey, let's get on this bucking bronco ant. And try to, like, come on. And then Amy, of course, sweet Amy. It's like, because the kids, like, go running at the ant to try to jump on it. Like, you're trying to get to a bucking bronco or a wild horse that's been corralled. I'm gonna get on that ant. I'm gonna... And of course, they, the ant is just like, I see you, I see you, you think you're coming near my behind, forget it. And he's just like swinging his back end, and the kids get thrown. Amy's like, well, wait a sec. He likes cookies. Here we go. Let's get like a stick thing, put a little bit, you know, crumb cookie on the top, and bing, bang, boom, you got yourself a little, uh, thing because she's like come on guys let's go let's go as then i'm distracting it with the cook and the thing comes right over to her and she's like so grossed out as the thing is like the little uh malleables are just crunching on the cookie ron actually manages to get on the ants of course it gets thrown out i think all of the kids get on the ant they have their moment in the hey look at me i'm on i'm riding an ant no one's gonna believe this <laughs> like i said remember how i said she's such a wet blanket because you're like nikki you're allergic to ants oh my gosh the others will come any second you guys what are you doing allergic to ants my ass no he's not allergic allergic to ants really Really? Well, you know what? Then he's got more allergies than Macaulay Culkin and my girl. He's got Thomas J. Beat. Alright, so we're going to get back to the Selinski backyard. We got Wayne and his little uh, burrito contraption here. The TV on the other end is kind of weighing him, keeping him afloat so he's not touching the grass. And he's kind of combing through it with his fingers thinking, like, oh, I'll be able... And he's got his magnifying glass and all that stuff. Of course, like any dog, like, oh, look at this rope that's holding the TV in place. I'm going to chew on it and start spinning it around. And, of course, what can Wayne do? Because he's kind of stuck. It's almost like a little hammock burrito type thing that the only thing he's 
he has his, his arms out and the dog and you see the thing being twisted up and you know as soon as the dog lets go that thing is going to be like a little twisty top untying itself and Wayne just ends up I had no idea the Tom the Thompsons have a pool they have a fucking pool let me check this out I love how Quirk is just looking, like, back and forth, just watching Wayne. Like, oh, look at that. Ah, this is so fun. I did this. How the fuck do they have a damn pool? Seriously. I did not see a pool in their backyard. It must be. This is insane. Maybe the, not, Maybe it's the neighbor. It's got to be the neighbor's pool. I saw their backyard. They don't have a pool back there. So May, of course, is on the phone. She's getting a hold of the police. Like, we need to make a report. The boy's been gone. I thought it's something like if they've not been gone for 24 hours, you have to wait until it's been at least a day before you can report a missing kid. Okay, it looks like Ron is the one that is riding the aunt, who is nameless at the moment. And he's got the stick that Amy had that had, like, a... Well, no, she didn't have a stick. She had, like, a, a, a crumb of cookie that it was eating off. Anyway, he's got a stick, a long stick that kind of... It's got an arch to it, and he's kind of holding it in front of the ant as the ant. And it's really cool. You know, the R Russ and Nick and Amy are just riding on it, and it's like, oh, sweet. At this rate, we'll be home by dinner. And Amy says, uh-huh. Oh, she says, oh, maybe I can still go out with Patty. What the hell? This is her female friend. She's probably on the phone talking to her in the beginning of the movie. Growing up, and I've seen this movie a bazillion times, guys. Why did I think... I forgot. I had forgot, I must have forgotten the guy's name at one point was Paul. Because I thought it was like... I thought the guy's name... Maybe his name's Patrick and she's calling him patty and i but now it's like no she's talking about her girlfriend like hang out with the, you know the girls go out with patty of course ron's bitching like oh well, our weekend shot no we're not gonna go camping if i know dad we're gonna be grounded well i think that this is not gonna you're not grounded just relax and of course Russ was like, Ron, look where we are, man. This is camping. You're camping, like, right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Russ says, we are camping, Ronald. Only better. It's like it's a safari. Well, you guys are really saying that because you're not the one riding the ant. You're just hanging out. It's almost like it's a little uh, horse ride buggy thing going on. Oh... Diane gets home from the mall. I don't know how the fuck long she's been there, but it's already getting dark out. And she pulls in the driveway, sees a cop car at the Thompsons' residence. She comes in, calls for Amy and Nick. Of course, there's no answer. But she gets on the phone and calls the cops. Like, yes, I'd like to report two missing children. All right, let's jump over to the Thompsons here. And I can understand he's getting... Big Russ, he's getting pissed. It's like, what the fuck? What do you do? You're taking down information? Great. Why aren't you out there looking for my kids? And of course, the lady cop is like, no help. She's like, oh, you know what? This thing is nothing to worry about. I'm sure this happens all the time. You have a little spat. And it's like, no, we didn't have a spat. May isn't exactly.
exactly helping the situation. Because the lady's like, oh, you probably had a spat with the kids. He's like, no, no, we did not have a spat. And, of course, May's like, well, you were upset about Russ quitting the team. So? And? What? That doesn't mean he's going to run away from home. Of course, this is news to Big Russ. He's like, well, wait a minute. Quit? I thought you said he was cut. And, of course, May's like, well, he was afraid to tell you he quit. It's like, guys, you need to have this, like conversation some other time that isn't in front of police officers because then you're going to be looking at a domestic dispute this man cop is annoying because he doesn't say anything he's like mm-hmm. he's like taking down all this information and big rut he's just getting pissed like what is that supposed to mean uh-huh and, of course, May's getting pissed off with him. Like, uh, I don't think you need to be, uh, questioning the cop there. But the lady's just, she's really insensitive. Oh, it's normal, you know, for runaways. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My kids did not run away. And we see the pictures. Neither little Russ or ron especially ron he just looks like he wants to beat the shit out of somebody he's just got a, a pissed off expression on his face yeah these kids <laughs> he, he's like oh no my kids are happy kids now this guy is just this police officer this man is just pissing him off he's like there he goes with his writing again don't you ever say anything and the guy just looks up mm-hmm, and keeps writing like yeah he's just adding all the your little like aggressive comments to this file that he's building on you. So, the lady cop, she looks familiar. You want to know why? Have you seen 1980s John Cusack's movie Better Off Dead? She is Ricky's mom and she takes in the foreign exchange student Monique. You know, she's the one's like, do you have Christmas in France? Christmas! Can you say Christmas? <laughs> that lady! Yeah! Granted, she was much heavier then. There's a night and day difference here. This lady definitely took care of herself in 1989. Looks a lot better. So, Big Russ is more than happy to tell them that, alright, it's... Thank you. Because he's like, if you hear from the boys, give us a call. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you? Thank you. Bye. He closes the door and it's like, don't they need a warrant or something? Well, didn't May call them? (laughs) Why would they need a warrant to come and check in on a call that you made? If you're, you know, say my kids are gone, they're probably going to want to interview you and get information about your kids, what they look like, you know, pictures, shit like that. Did you have a fight, a spat, anything that, you know, that kind of shit. And of course, May's like, you know, I think, Russell, there are some things about yourself I think you should know about. Let's start with your temper. So the cops get back in the car and... Now they get another report about two missing, another set of missing kids that's right next door. All right, let's go back over to the Selinskis. Uh, Wayne comes down. He's got his flashlights attached to his helmet. And, of course, he's also got an attachment for his magnifying glass. I'm going to turn up. Excuse me, guys. I'm going to turn on a light in here. It's kind of... There. 
there we be. Now we have light. Yay! All right, so <laughs> he's got his little couch for proof, shows Diane, and she, like, yanks his head sideways because she's like, well, let me see here. Let me look at this magnifying glass to look at the couch that's in the palm of your hand. And he's like, yeah, see the arm of the couch where Quark was chewing on it? Yeah. So basically, he's like, honey, oh, what you're telling me is the machine works? It really, it works? He's like, well, yeah, I mean, it works. And she's like, well, that's great. Do the kids know? And of course, he's like, uh, yeah, the kids know? And she's like, that's great. And he's like, well, no, not, not that great. And she's like, why? It's like, I shrunk the kids. And the Thompson kids, too. They're about this big. and They're out in the backyard. She grabs him by his shoulders. Like, I ain't gonna fucking kill you. And, of course, the police are at the door. He opens it, and the lady cop is like, Did you report two missing children? And Wayne's like, well, Oh, no, there must be some mistake. I mean, ours are in the backyard, right, honey? And, of course, just over his shoulder, you see Diane faint. This will come back in the sequel. I promise you this. Uh, Wayne's wearing a zip-up hoodie that says Kale Tech. And, of course, the T is orange. So, it sounds like Kale Polytech or something. I'm not sure. So, let's get back to ground level here. As the kids are on ante. Of course, they've fallen asleep. Runs. You know, riding ante. We didn't even hear him. He just like ante need like okay. They all he came up with a name. I don't think the other kids really had deliberate too much. Like whatever, his name's ante. Okay, sounds good. Um, and of course, the kids wake up when Ron stops, and he's like, "Well, ante needs a recharge. Let me give him something." And Nick, of course, looks up at the darkening sky and realizes. We're not going to make it home before dark. And Russ, of course, has had enough of Amy's mall talk. He's like, even if we did, the mall would be closed. (laughs) I love the look that Amy gives him. Like, (laughs) excuse me? Ron decides to let Auntie go. It's like, look, he's tired. He's done what he could. I say we let him go. His family is probably worried about him. And, of course, it's like, okay, go on, go on, go home. And they start to take off, but Andy does not want to go. He loves Ron. And Ron's like, no, look, I, I can't keep you. My mom would never let me keep you. It's like, buddy, it's an ant. I don't think she'd care. It's by one of those ant farms. He's kind of lonely by himself, but... Yeah, they all just start walking, and Ron, uh, Russ is like, oh, don't, just start walking. He'll get the idea. No, he doesn't. He's like, oh, me come too? Okay. So it's dark out. Now we don't just have Wayne out there in the sling. Now Diane is in her sling. And they're both, they got the flashlights on the helmets, the magnifying glasses. They're looking for the kids. Now, of course, Big Russ stressed out about the kids being gone. The camping trip is off, of course. And he's going to smoke a cigarette. Of course, that's what he does when he gets really stressed out. And what does he do? He flicks his lit cigarette into the Selinsky's yard. And from ground level, those kids are probably seeing what looks like an asteroid that's about to hit. Because the ash falls on them. They're like, oh, jeez, it's hot. And they're like, what was that? And then they see it's like, <coughs> and Nick is like right by the cigarette ashes. Like, 
My gosh, kid, do you want to get lung cancer and die? He's like right. Like, uh, Nick, come on now. <clears throat> Luckily, they do think, hey, it's dark out. So, uh, let's use, it's like some type of like brush or something like that that they get on the end of these sticks. They put it in the ash of the cigarette and it lights up. So at least they can see in the dark, which is good because with limited light, you're not even going to know what you're walking into. It, yeah. So Ron's like, oh, dad told us he quit. And of course, Amy's like, oh, looks like he started up again. Russ is like, no, he only smokes when he's worried about something. He must really be worried about something. Well, I'm sure it doesn't have anything to do with you quitting the football team. I think he just wants to know where his kids are. I mean, hell. So, <laughs> Diane and Wayne are in the back. Of course, we can hear every bit of fight that's going on between May and uh, Big Russ. And he's like, sports build character. She's like, no, it builds muscle. And on and on and on. It's like, dude, you need to let this fucking go. Your kid is not where he needs to be, which is in your house. Who gives a fuck about the sports? I'd be like, I'm going to drive around. I'm going to look for my kid. None of them have bothered. Well, Diane went to the mall. But I'm talking about the Thompsons. Did either of them fucking leave to go look for their kids? It's too late now because it's too fucking dark out. No, they didn't. They called the cops. You'd think you'd look for a bit and then file a police report. I just remembered. As Diane says, Wayne, we have to tell the Thompsons. Because he's like, I shrunk our kids and the Thompson kids. And it's like... She hears them fighting. It's like, wait, we need to tell them where their kids are. Because this isn't healthy for them. They're fighting about their kids. And we know exactly where, well, they don't know exactly, in quotes, where they are. But they know the general area is the backyard. They haven't left the backyard. So, you know, this is not going to go over well when they, because they're in the attic and... Big Russ is already pissed off enough as it is with the police report, with the kids being gone, with the fact that he lost $80 for a non-refundable deposit to go camping, which you can do that any fucking time because you live in California. And And he only doesn't like Wayne. So, of course, you say, oh, my machine shrunk my kids and uh, your kids. And I'd be like, what the fuck were my kids doing at your house? Why were they over here? My kids don't ever go into your yard. Well, of course, Big Russ is like, what do you take me for, a complete idiot? And I love how that, that shared look between Wayne and Diane. Like, uh. So it's like, well, how did this happen? And of course, Wayne is spouting some. The machine analyzes the molecule structure. Can you give it to them in English? None of the, uh, in, in layman's terms, no, none of that fucking molecule density, no space bullshit, that jargon that you're throwing out at that aerotechnic whatever the fuck place. Just tell me where my kids are, okay? That's what I want to know. I don't want to know about all this hoopla poopla science stuff. 
But then it finally breaks in. It's like, honey, can we just show them the couch as evidence to see that this machine works? And they can get an idea of probably right around how tall their kids are? Yeah. But Ross, of course, Big Ross can't keep his mouth young. This guy's a waste of skin, May. Of course, Wayne. It's like, this is a microscope. And Big Ross is like, I know. It's like, you look in there. Yeah, I get that. So you got me some doll furniture. That's great. Where are my kids? <laughs> he's like, oh, it's doll furniture. Because he's looking at it through a microscope, it's going to enhance the size of it. He's like, they sell doll furniture at swap meets. Ugh. And Wayne's like, my couch was sitting right there. Now you can look at it underneath a microscope because that's how small it is. And May, of course, is freaking out. Why didn't you tell us earlier? I'd be like, I filed a police report because I thought my kids were missing. Now you're telling me they're in the back fucking yard. Really? Uh, oh, 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 Diane, this is not the choice of words. She's like, oh, until now, the machine just blew things up. And it's like, are you saying the machine blew up my kids? <laughs> I would say, um, I would have left that out. <laughs> don't blow it up and kids in the same sentence. I don't want to hear that. And of course, it doesn't help. He's like, oh, no. I mean, if that were the case, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. It's like, Wayne, shut your fucking mouth. So Wayne's like, look, I'm positive about this, all right? The machine shrunk our kids. And Big Russ is like, you are the one that needs a shrink, Solinsky. An air hammer. He threatens him with a fucking air hammer. What is that going to do? And he threatens, like, if you did do something to my kids, there's going to be pieces of you all over the neighborhood. And he just takes me and gets the fuck out of there. What the fuck time is? I don't think that clock works. I mean, I don't think it's like quarter to three in the morning. Oh, Diane and Wayne are like, you know, I think that went well. Uh, yeah, we should uh, have them over more often. Not. So, back at the Thompsons, Russ is, Big Russ is pissed off. He's on the phone probably to the police saying, look, it's a priority for me. Why don't you do what you're paid to do and find my fucking kids? You call up a cop and you say that shit to them? They will come to your house and fucking arrest you. You cannot give a cop attitude. They will... They will take you in. All right, let's go back down to ground level with the kids. It's nighttime. They got their uh, ash sticks, if you want to call it that. They're glowing ash sticks. And they found Nick's Lego. God golly, kid. You're 12. Why are you throwing Legos and dinosaurs in your backyard? <laughs> Seriously. A little too old to be playing with Well, he's not too old to play with Legos. I mean, T-Rex, I don't know. But even still, works out. Because now they got a place to sleep that's going to keep them hopefully protected. <laughs> At least that's what we think. Oh, it's the one that's got like two holes in it. You know, the Lego with two little knobs. So Ron and Nick take the top one, of course. It's almost like a bunk bed, only with round holes instead of like um, rectangle. Anyway. Russ is like, hey, why don't you take the bottom one? And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, Russ is going to hang out on the, you know, the ground, you know, keep an eye out, make sure nothing comes up and tries to kill anybody. And they're like, hey, they're almost like playing like teenage, like mom and dad there to Nick and Ron. Like, oh, do you think they'll be warm enough? Oh, yeah, I think they'll be warm enough. Okay, now we're back in the Selinsky home. What the fuck time is it? 
is it like five like quarter to six in the a.m they've been up all night or does that clock just not work i don't know it's the cat clock and he needs the parts he's like sorry boy i always thought having watched this movie so many times he was apologizing to the dog like oh quark loves that cat clock like i'm sorry boy i need the parts no he's apologizing to the clock because he needs the parts for it too. You know the parts that he broke off of the machine? <laughs> yeah, he kind of needs um, a replacement set. And none of the uh, science stores or hardware stores are open at like 5.50 in the morning. So now Wayne and Diane are kind of sitting on the back porch. Kind of playing the blame game. They're not blaming each other. They're kind of blaming themselves. Or well actually Diane kind of blames both of them like you know this is kind of all our fault and Wayne's like no it's my fault I should have been more careful with the machine it's like all you do is the kids knew enough to stay the fuck out of the attic granted the fact that they're shrunk kind of just throws that theory out the window but <clears throat> I think Diane at this point just wants to get the family back together in a way of we need to be focusing on our family and not just our prospective jobs and she's like, you know, it's not important if I sell another house or if you get another grant, you know, this year or next. But we need to get this family back together. Basically, we need to get, we need to be back to where we were originally before you started, you know, tinkering with the machine and your whole focus just kind of on the family went out the window. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, he agrees with that. I mean, <laughs> it would be nice if you, you know, one of you has got to have income coming in for you to stay in your house. So don't tell me that it doesn't matter. I know that you kind of need to shift focus to putting your family first and not so much your jobs. And I think in a way, their kids being gone kind of helps Diane and Wayne realize what's really important. You know, in a way she was saying, you know, it's not our jobs that are important. I mean, they are, but our kids are important. And at least this way... They're talking without fighting. I mean, we didn't see them fighting and everything, but it was enough that she stayed at her mom's house. But at least now they know what their priorities should be to get their family kind of back on track with things. It's probably why they have another kid. Wayne's going to go work on the machine. He tells Diane to get some sleep because we got to get up early and look for them. And of course, Diane's not going to be able to sleep. Like, with her kids out there? Who knows what kind of dangers are lurking, you know, at ground level, below the blades of grass. Of course she has, that's the other thing I'm worried about, Amy in the dark with Little Russ Thompson. He is not a damn thing like his father, rest assured. Granted, they are teenagers with hormones. I'm not saying he ain't gonna get in her pants, because he ain't gonna get in her pants, but they are gonna play a little tonsil hockey. After sharing some moments of honesty. So Russ is pretty much just talk because Amy mentions how the moon is like the same size whether you're, you know, regular size or whether you're, you know, a quarter of an inch tall, basically. And of course, Russ gets into the whole thing about how his dad's got a big ego, like the bigger the guy, the bigger the moon. That's just the way he thinks. Like, yeah. Of course, then they get into the whole, like, hey, Russ, why did, haven't you come over to my house until just yesterday and of course he's like well you talked to me a couple times you know 
last year and the year before. You know, they're probably like, hey, how's it going? Passing in the halls type of thing, I would guess. And he mentioned how, you know, he would have come by and he wanted to, but he says, I thought you were too popular to notice me. And of course, she's like, yes, I was too popular. I was stupid. And of course, she leans forward and kisses him. And I don't mean a peck on the lips. I mean full on tongue action kissing. And the thing is, I mean, if you look at Ross and you look at Amy, I look at Amy and, like, I don't see popular. She does seem a smidge on the stuck-up side. Ross looks more like a loner, but if you turn the tables, like, turn it around, like, flip-flop, where Ross looks like he could be, like, a popular, you know, jock if he wanted to be. And Amy would be the plain Jane girl, you know, trying to get his attention, asking him, you know, whatever, I don't know. But, damn, she, like, shoves her tongue down his throat. I mean, he did, you know, save her life, so. Of course, they're distracted because there's a scorpion. I get it, they're in California. I don't know how plentiful scorpions are, but this isn't gonna go well. Of course, uh... Ron and Nick see it, and they just start screaming. Luckily, Russ and Amy break apart, and they're, like, right there on the ground by that giant-ass scorpion. It's fucking huge. It looks like a damn lobster. So Nick manages to get down, but Ron, of course, doesn't get away in time, and now he's got to deal with the snappers of the scorpion pinchers trying to get at him while he tries to get as far back as he can in that Lego hole. And luckily, Auntie, I don't know what he's been doing, but um, he hears Ron screams. You know how much he loves Ron? And he just like, hold on, Ron, I'm coming. And he wastes, Andy wastes no time going in there and just grabbing that scorpion by the leg to distract him. And Ron does get out, but of course, the scorpion whirls around on him, and we get this Ron scream. Ah! They're able to get Ron. The kids run away. Of course, Ron's like, wait a minute. No, what about Auntie? He saved my life. You know, we can't just let the scorpion... Cause it's a battle between the scorpion and, and poor Auntie. And unfortunately, due to Auntie's size, they see like, he's a baby. We have to help him. And unfortunately, the scorpion gets Auntie in his pincher claws... And, like, takes his stinger tail and just gets him right in the back of the neck. Like, oh no, it's so sad. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Luckily, the kids, like, grab some sticks and are able to harpoon the scorpion to get it to wander off. But in that whole commotion, it throws Auntie a ways away, and they're able to find him, and it's so sad because he dies. He dies, and it's just, it's sad, and you feel bad for Ron because he got attached. I mean, all the kids got attached, but, you know, he he sought Ron, Ron out, Auntie did, and it's just it's so sad. It's like he's losing a pet. It's just he saved Ron's life. This poor guy sacrificed his life to save Ron. And then everyone, oh my gosh, I'm crying. Oh. Wayne's working on the machine. We got the kids, thanks to Ron's ingenuity with the whole defending the backyard. He's got a little, uh, 
thing set up in case the scorpion comes back. So good on him. Kids are all sleeping. I think they're, yeah, they're all sleeping in the bottom hole of that Lego. And of course, what's the first thing you normally do when you wake up in the morning? You gotta pee. So, (laughs) what do you say? Guys on the left, girls on the right or something? Nick, he was on the bottom of them. He must have been so warm. But that must have been so cramped. I don't even know what they're laying in. A leaf? (laughs) Looks like a rotten banana peel, but it's not. But Nick is still asleep. So Wayne's been working all night. He fell asleep. He's got a calculator in his hand. And of course, Diane just looks at him and says, I love you, Wayne Selinsky. Oh, okay. Um, I, I don't, that came out of nowhere. That he stayed up all night to fix the machine. Well, remember at the beginning of the movie, just about when Nick had to get the lawn mowed, and he was showing old Tommy there with the the jacket, like, hey, if you give me a box of cookies, I'll let you mow the whole thing with this remote control lawn mower. But he's like, hey, can I come back tomorrow? And Tommy, of course, comes in. He's got his Walkman. He's got his music to listen to while he's mowing the lawn. And as he's walking into the Selinsky yard, he's looking at this setup with the hammock. And, (coughs) of course, what could be... This is like the end-all, be-all thing that could kill your kids. If they're below the grass level, it's going to be the fucking lawnmower. Just as the kid, like, whips off the tarp off the lawnmower and grabs a remote control... And then you hear this eerie, like, oh, like, reminding everybody, remember this whole thing that happened in the beginning of the movie? Well, it's now come back. Yeah. So everyone had a pee break. And, of course, Nick wants to go back to bed. But it's like, no, we got to keep moving. We are almost there to the porch. But Ron, who's made a bow and arrow, that's pretty sweet, kind of senses, like, the ground is shaking. Like, what? What's up with that? And, of course, they're in California. They probably think it's an earthquake. No, it's not an earthquake. Worse. It's a lawnmower. This fucking kid, Tommy, does not know how to mow a damn lawn. He's treating it like it's a remote control car. He's not even going in lines. He's not even, like, going, like, horizontally or any of that shit. He's like, oh, look at me. I'm using a lawnmower with a remote control. Yay. Stupid fucking kid. You do see images of the kids, like, running as the lawnmower is practically right on top of them. So they get into a hole, and it's kind of like, gosh, I hope whatever lived here is moved out. And, of course, Nick's like, well, it's, uh, he gives the Latin term for earthworm. Because no one knows what the hell Latin what. Like in English. What is it? It's an earthworm? Okay. And he's like well they're dormant this time of year. They're probably hibernating. So it's safe in here. It's like we should be alright. Oh Diane and Wayne are upstairs. She's kind of doing what she can to help him. Granted she's not a scientist. But he's probably like here hold this. While I screw this in. We're almost done. Diane's like. Because she hears the noise. She's like, is that a chainsaw? He's like, no, it sounds more like um, a lawnmower. And immediately they go right to that window and they see Tommy down there with the lawnmower. They're like, shit! And they're all screaming, Tommy, turn off the lawnmower! Tommy, stop! Tommy, ah! And they get out on the porch and they're both screaming at Tommy, who of course can't hear them because he's got his Walkman ch- like cranked way the fuck up. 
And he's like, Toby, Toby. Just grab his ass. You are like six inches away from him. Of course, he's probably like, what the fuck is that noise? And he stops the lawnmower. But of course, where does he stop it? Right where that fucking hole is. And as soon as Nick says, oh, well, we should be safe in here, immediately that suction just goes right into that earthworm hole and he is, like, flying backwards. And all the kids kind of have to do, like, a little rope chain thing where Amy's grabbing down to Nick and and Ron is grabbing down to Amy and Russ, you know, someone's, like, gotta hang out. Hold on a second. Think about it, that wheel is right there and it's spinning. That will cut them up to shreds. It will kill them. Alright, so Ron grabs Nick's hands. And then Russ grabs Ron's legs. No, wait, no. Ron grabs Nick's legs and Russ grabs Ron's whatever. And Amy is the one, of course, trying to hold on with her feet onto this branch or whatever that's like stuck in this hole like that's the only thing from keeping them from being sucked out of that hole into the shredding gnashing blades of that lawnmower i think about it it's like if you thought your life was flashing before your eyes while you're on that bee your life is definitely gonna flash before your eyes with the impending death of being cut up in a lawnmower Guys, you know, that warning, don't stick your hands down there by the blades. They tell you that for a reason. But then again, they don't exactly think like, oh, what if a person were like a quarter of an inch tall and their whole body got cut up? I know it's gross. If you thought this scene was scary, because this does, this is kind of scary. I mean, think about it. Look what they've already had to overcome. You know, with the bee and, um... (laughs) Let's see what else. Uh, the, the sprinklers, that's another thing. The scorpion. Now the lawnmower. And of course, there's going to be another thing. It's like, if this, they didn't have all these will they die or will they live scenarios, the movie would be kind of boring with just watching them like walking without having any chance of like they could die if they come in contact. You know, if something stands in their way, are they going to live or are they going to die? You just see poor Nick. It's just like he is so close to those blades. Like, God, don't let go, don't let go. And think about it, Amy's on the bottom. She's like holding on to everybody. They got Wayne and Diane wrestling that big ass re- lawnmower remote from Tommy. Like, give it to me. And the kid's like, fuck, okay. And of course, we see Amy's, her legs give out. Like, I can't hold us any longer. And Boom! They are sucked up. He's trying to turn the thing off. And you see the kids, you think, oh, they're going to get cut up by that blade. Luckily, they don't. Tommy finally yanks his headphones off. He's like, Nick said I could cut it. And Wayne, who's like down on the ground like with his fingers, like, where are my kids? Where are the neighbor's kids? And he's like, when did you see Nick? And the kid's like, yesterday. uh, Diane's like, did you see him this morning? He's like, no, no, it was yesterday. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm late. It's like, okay, okay, cool. It's calm down, kid. Well, he's scared. (laughs) He's like, I just came out of all your damn lawn. And next thing I know, you're.
they're like grabbing at me and yelling at me and shit like that. And she's like, go on through the house, honey. It's safer. And he's like, safer? And both Diane and Wayne are on their knees, like, going through the shredded grass, trying to find, hope their kids aren't dead. All right, now we go back to the kids who we see the shredded grass, and they're all like, hey, are you here? Are you here? Nick, where are you? And of course, Nick is like, and guess who Nick sees? Like, hey, look, it's mom and dad. And they're all like, Mr. Selinski, mom, dad. And of course, it's like, we're here. We're, you know, waving their arms. And of course, Wayne and Diane don't see them. And they go back into the house. And it's like, Ron's like, we were right under their noses. And they didn't even see us. And Russ is like, look, Ron, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. It's like, no, I'm not panicking, okay? It's bleh. Guess who else decides to come out? Quark. And, of course, he get, the dog gets, like, right in there. And this was the whole thing in the beginning. It's like, if we can get onto the dog, we can get to the house. So he's like, all right, everyone, grab onto a strand of dog hair. And they're all grabbing on. And Amy, of course, you know how dogs have good hearing. She's like, Quirk, go into the house and find Dad. Of course, we have a problem. That fucking cat does not know how to stay in its own yard. And the cat is, like, sitting right in front of the door. And the cat's like, Row! And the dog's like, thank you, Quirk, you Thank you. This is your yard. Don't let that cat tell you any different. You are, well, actually, the dog and the cat are close to the same size. But still, come on, dog. Dog up and defend your yard. Mind you, remember, the kids are holding on for dear life onto this dog. And Quark just jumps right up onto the kitchen table, practically. Right in Wayne's face. What is Wayne doing? Well... It's morning, so I'm going to have a bowl of Cheerios. And mind you, this is one of the big scenes that probably everybody remembers from the trailer. Nick and the Cheerio Bowl. I mean, you see the kids, like, hanging on for dear life to dog hair strands. And Nick just, he can't hold on. Like, ah! And, I mean, I hope he can swim and milk. I hope he can swim, period, because, well, technically he's got... All the Cheerios are basically a round circle, so it's kind of like a, um, like an inner tube. But that ain't gonna help when his dad keeps dunking his spoon. Of course, he's eating Cheerios. He doesn't expect his, like, quarter of an inch son to be in the bowl. Think about, like I said, think about the things that, ki- that Nick alone has survived. The bee. Uh, the scorpion. The lawnmower. And now he's gotta try to survive... A bowl of Cheerios. And Wayne's like, Quark, get off the table. He's like right on the table. Like, you get off the table. It's like, well, Amy did say, Quark, go inside and find Dad. Nick, you see him kind of flopping around in the milk. Like, Dad, Dad. And Diane's like, well, I think he just misses the kids. I love this close-up shot of Quark. This his face and the, you know, the bridge of his nose, like, meeting the table as you see Amy, Russ, and Ron all getting off and of the dog and onto the table. And Amy's like, Dad, don't! Because they're like, oh shoot, he's going to eat him. Wayne is all like, 
kind of narrating the whole, like, I tell you, at their size, that backyard is like 10 miles. Then who's right? Nick at 3.6 miles or Wayne at 10 miles? He's he just estimating. Like, it's probably like, if they're that small, it's probably like 10 miles. I mean, he's not going to pull out his calculator and do the math. Giant play. It's almost like he's rehashing what the kids have already gone through. Like, he's rehashing without knowing the whole movie. Giant blades of grass. Huge insects. It's a jungle. Of course, Diane's like, honey, they're gonna head right for the house. Well, it took them time, but they got there. You just don't know it yet. I love Quark how he's got that one ear up. And we get this close-up shot of... Like, the inside of the rim of the bowl, and then you see this giant spoon. And Wayne's like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Such ominous music. Like, oh, my gosh. Literally, Amy's like, help, dad, dad. It's like trying to get his attention. Poor Nick is in the bowl. Like, no, dad, no. Oh, he just scooped up his son in the milk and the Cheerios. And it's just the ominous, like, oh, my God, he's going to eat his son. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if it went if it went there, oh my god, this actually, <laughs> it's got a throwback in the sequel to it, and it's just like, it's so laughably not great. When I cover the sequel in May, I'll I'll point that out, and just, you guys will probably like, yeah, that is pretty ridiculous. Actually, now I think about it, <laughs> there's a throwback in the third movie that actually is better than the one in the throwback in the second movie. Or you just see Nick in this spoon of milk and how many? Two, four, six, eight, nine Cheerios. He's in the one, two, three, four, five. He's in the fifth one from. Well, whatever. You guys have seen the movie. And you see Amy and Ron and Ross just like, no, don't! Because they know that he's up there because he's screaming his head off like, don't, Dad, don't eat me! Yeah, and it, you see it like get close, the spoon get closer to his mouth with his mouth open, unsuspecting, and just Nick pleading like, no, Dad, don't eat me! And the dog finally Quark is like, oh, crap, I gotta do something. He bites Wayne's like, ankle. It's like, if I don't stop, that kid's going into his digestive system, which wouldn't his stomach acid probably end up killing Nick? I don't know. There is a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, that PBS show, uh, Magic School Bus. There is an episode where this kid, Ralphie, is sick, the classmate, and then the, fa the, the family, <laughs> the class and Miss Frizzle all decide, hey, let's go into Ralphie's mouth so we can see how his cells, like, regenerate, you know, from being sick and all that. And they go into, like, his stomach acid and, and all of this, and the bus they're in starts to deteriorate because of that stomach acid. And eventually they do go out his sphincter, so. Oh, God. <laughs> Luckily, this movie does not go there. That would be dark. That is the, that's like the NC-17 or R-rated version of this movie. The only way uh, through it is out, you don't even want to know. Now Quark is like barking, and then finally Wayne is just like, whoa, look at this. He's got his magnifying glass and he's putting it over where his regular glasses are to magnify it. And you see 
There's Nick. Barely hanging on to a Cheerio inner tube. And he's like, I'm down here, Dad. And then, of course, he's pointing. Like, oh, he's pointing at something. Look, there's the rest of them. Amy and Russ and Ron are like, oh, my gosh, they found us. And they're hugging. And it's so great. So Diane goes to get the Thompsons. And, of course, Wayne's still got to figure out what exactly made the machine shrink them to begin with. Because, mind you, he's still at the apple from the beginning of the movie. And he's blowing up the apple. He's like, I don't get it. How did it work the last time? And, of course, Big Ross is not helping. Like, well, you better figure it out. And the kids are like, look, what can we do? Because there's got to be, because they're like, baseball, it's the baseball. And, of course, it's like they're so tiny they can't hear them. It's like, what are you saying? So it's like, oh, get in formation, everybody. Pretend like you're swinging at a baseball. Like, we got the pitcher, we got the catcher, we got the the, the umpire, we got the, the, the batter. And it's like, swinging, hit, hit, hit. And then it's like, you're out, you're out. It's like, baseball. Big Russ is like, it's baseball. It's like, baseball. Go to the window that was broken. What do you see? It's a baseball on the ground. Hmm. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Then this must have been soaking up the intensity of the laser. That's why everything was blowing up to begin with. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. But of course, to enlarge him, he's never done that before. So Russ volunteers himself. Like, hey, hey, hey. No, he's like, you're not trying that on my kids unless you do it on something living. Quark is like... Fuck you all. I am you are not using me as your guinea pig. I'm out. I love how they all like turn and look at Quark. He's like, bye. But yeah, he's putting all the pieces together. Like, oh yeah, did the ball came through the window, activated the machine, got in the path of the laser. It was creating too much heat. That's why things were blowing up. Gotcha. Oh, I guess the baseball like absorbed like some of the heat to kind of take that off. Okay. Okay. I guess. Whatever. Now, this is, uh, I can understand Diane's hesitation. Like, Diane, look, why don't you try it on me? I'll show you how to work the machine. It's really easy. Oh, yeah, it's so easy because you just had to have your 12-year-old son tell you, like, whatever. But it's like, hell no, I'm not going to run this machine and let you be the guinea pig in this. I mean, what if something goes wrong? I'm not going to be able to know what to do to fix it. So, luckily, Big Russ is, like, taking one for the team. Thank you. And, of course, like, try it on me. And, of course, you see, like, Ron and Russ, like, what? What? Our dad is going to sacrifice himself for us? So, May and Big Russ have this, like, oh, honey, if anything happens to me, tell the kids I love them. Oh, he takes his hat off. How did those camels get in my hat? (laughs) Like, she ain't stupid. She knows you smoke when you get stressed out. The kids know it. It ain't no big secret. Of course, they use the machine. He shrinks. He's on the chair, barely hanging on to it. And May is all like, oh, honey, you're so brave. And now he's just got to reverse the process to make sure that um, Big Russ can get back to his normal size. Of course, May, get the fuck out of the way, May, because you are... We don't need you to get bigger than what you are. I mean, she's not big, big guy. You know what I mean. And can you imagine? Let's say, like, he, he enlarged Big Russ to his normal size. May is in the way of the path of the beam, gets hit. What does that mean for her? <laughs> and we'd have the sequel before we're even ready for it. 
Well, luckily, Big Ross is restored to his rifle height. The only thing is, he's a little smaller. His head's a little smaller because that hat is too big for him now or something. He's like, oh, usually it used to fit just, oh, it's bigger on me. So basically, it's almost like they shrunk his swelled-ass head. Remember how he had such a big head? So hopefully, uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the kids to go back to the regular size as Diane puts... She's got all the kids on the spoon, puts it down, and the kids are all holding hands, and this is when Russ is like, hey, um, when we're regular size, you want to, like, go out sometime, like, go to the dance or whatever? And she's like, oh, you dance? He's like, oh, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> like, it's cool. You'll learn. It's <laughs> like, hey, if this works, do you want to go to the dance on Friday? And she's like, oh, you can dance? He's like, uh, not, not really. <laughs> And she surprises him by saying, I'd love to. So now they're an item for the time being. And they hold hands. Oh, it's so cute. Well, it's not like Nick and Ron were going to hook up or anything. I mean, fuck. All right, everybody. You ready? Here we go. We're going to enlarge them. Oh, the kids look like they stink like nasty. I mean, their clothes are like, those clothes are going in the trash. They're all going to be like, oh, dang, in the shower first. Oh, we each get a joyous, beautiful reunion. As May's like, oh, I knew my boys wouldn't run away. Amy, of course, is like, are you and Dad okay? And she's like, yes, honey, we're fine. Yes, they're so fine. They're going to make another baby, and we're going to have a sequel in, like, three years. <laughs> it's 92 that the sequel comes out, not 93. What the hell was I thinking? What is she saying? Like, honey, I'll get them out. Uh, May is saying to Ron, what, the stains in his shirt and his hat? I'm sure she'll work her... Her, ma- her uh, laundry magic on that shit. Throw the burn the clothes. Burn them. They're gross. They're ripped. They're not salvageable. Don't donate them to Goodwill. I'm surprised none of them like, Oh God, you stink, children. Oh, in the shower you go. I love how Amy, like, as she's hugging Diane, is like looking over at Russ and they're smiling at each other. Of course, Nick's like, I was right. It was the ball, wasn't it? It's like, yes, Nick, you are great. You are brilliant. And then the sequel happens, and it's like, oh, my dad's such a lameoid. Oh, he's a big old nerd, and I look like a nerd, too, because I'm still wet. Nick is a cutie patootie in the sequel. He's a cutie. He loses that mullet, but he's still got the same kind of glasses. And Ron's like, hey, Dad, look, I wanted to go fishing. I didn't mean this is right, everybody. If it weren't for Ron, none of this shit would have happened. It's all his fault. And it's like, dude, you can go fishing whenever. You're in California. You're, we're planning to go fishing in fucking November. Yeah. Which then explains the turkey at the end. So Russ, so Russ pretty much is like, hey, Dad, if you really want me back on the team. And thank the Lord, Big Russ is like, I don't care about the team. I care about you. I'm proud of you. Oh. For what? Making it through the backyard? I guess. I think the dad, Big Russ is finally getting his priorities straight. Like, let your son be into what he wants. Figure, Let him figure out what he's into. Stop pushing the sports. You have a young son who's in the fucking baseball. Push his ass. You don't even need to push him because that's what he's into. Just focus on your younger son. Let your older son do what he wants to do. Listen to music. Read Rolling Stones magazine. The Billboard Top 100 hits. Whatever the fuck it is. Let him do that. 
we do get a uh, shower drop. Amy's like, I gotta take a shower. You all need to take a shower. So, of course, we do wrap one last thing up. Finally, as Big Russ is like, Zelensky. And they both shake hands and then we morph into Thanksgiving. Big Russ has got a smile on his face as he's extending his hand out to him. And they shake and it morphs into, hey, now we're having Thanksgiving dinner over to the Zelensky's house. They all look so clean cut. The house looks immaculate. It's like, to the Thompsons and the Selinskys and many more dinners together. Holy fuck, that turkey is huge! Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest here. When I was a kid, and this is like the weirdest far-out theory that I've ever had in my life, because this is what I thought as a kid. It's a pretty weird thought, by the way. Especially when you're like eight, nine years old. Eventually, I learned it was just a turkey. I don't know why I thought this, this was the ant. Like, they, like, enlarged the ant and they were going to eat it out. <laughs> I told you it was a weird thought. But then again, I was, like, eight. I don't know why. I thought it was some weird, morbid, I don't know. So we got Ron and Amy playing footsie under the table. We got um, Ron and Nick calling each other names and shit. So the kids are all a lot more tighter as far as... I mean, they just spent a day and a half, almost, of surviving their backyard. <laughs> There's no way you're not coming out of that, like, a close-knit group. I love how, like, oh my gosh, we're going to have leftovers for, like, ever. And, of course, I like the plates because they all got, like, um, a little turkey on. It's They're, like, festive Thanksgiving plates. I love how Wayne's like, ah, oh, I guess I gotta carve this thing. And Big Ross is like, oh, you want to use my chainsaw? <laughs> who is it that it's like, does anyone want bread? Who wants bread? And finally, who wants bread? Like, they're getting annoyed because no one is paying attention to them. And of course, we have this ginormous crispy milk bone that Quark is. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, if it weren't for him, those kids would probably still be outside trying to make it to the house. But it's an Elpo. Dog biscuit. It's not a milk bone. Of course, we get this throwback to the whole resuscitation. I get it. French class. <laughs> With the bread. It looks like a drumstick, but it's a piece of bread. Nick is just laughing his ass off. I'm sure everyone's like, what the fuck is he talking about? French class? What? Why did they bring this stupid joke back? No one else is going to get what the fuck he's... Well, I mean... Ross might, because he's the one that brought it up. Took him that long to get that fucking joke. Oh my god. And that is how the movie ends. Does anyone remember the VHS that had the tummy trouble who framed Roger Rabbit cartoon in front of it? I do. <laughs> um, Just to say, I don't know if I mentioned it, but the beginning of the film, I actually looked on my laptop. I started recording the beginning of the movie which right around the time that Amy's in the kitchen on the phone, that half I recorded at the end of September of last year. I can't remember what I was talking about before going into the movie, if I even did that. But So you'll know if there's a difference in like if I'm talking about what's going on now in 2020 versus what was going on in September on September 28th. 2019 so just a heads up everybody sometimes I do that I will start recording 
something for a bit and then I'll be like going on to another project and then I'll come back so it's like half of it's done like a few months and then I finish recording like months later or six months later and it just sounds a little semi because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said well I want to do this because it's you know the 30th anniversary and of course now we're in 2020 so it would make Honey I Shrunk the Kids 31 this year but I also kind of wanted to do it because supposedly um I believe I did say during this review that I almost called him Winslowski Rick Moranis came out of retirement, I believe there is going to be a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. I know there was one in the late 90s. It looked like a big pile of shit. I've avoided it like the plague. Um, but no, this if this does happen, this will be the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. Or whatever it's going to be. Honey, The Honey, I Shrunk series. Or whatever. I would love it if they brought back the guy who played Nick... If they brought back Amy O'Neill, who played Amy. Um, I don't know about the Thompson twins, because we don't hear shit about them. And the, We only get the Nick explaining to the babysitter about him and his sister and the neighbor boys being shrunk. We don't hear what... Because, like I said, clearly they moved from California to Nevada because they're right near Las Vegas. So, yeah. Apparently he must have lived in, like, Fresno because he drops that. Like, you just think I'm some inventor from Fresno tinkering around in his attic. Or so, so maybe they lived in Fresno, California or something like that. I don't know. But, uh... Alright, guys, look for the sequel review. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Look for that in May. And then early June, I'm gonna... I'm gonna annihilate... Honey, we shrunk ourselves. Like, <laughs> no, tomorrow. It's, Rick Moranis is the only original cast member. Marcia Strassman, R.I.P., did not come back for that one. She was alive, but I can see why she didn't want to come back for it. And they also have Bug Hall, who you know from 1994's The Little Rascals movie. He played Alfalfa. He's playing Adam Selinsky at, like, 10 years old. And, of course, we get his cousins, who are played by Jake Robert... Jake Richardson? Um, if you remember the Judy Bloom series, Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing, Super Fudge, there was a short-lived television show on ABC on Saturday mornings called Fudge. He plays Peter Hatcher, the older brother of Fudge. He was also in a Seventh Heaven episode called Johnny Get Your Gun, where he plays a kid who brings a gun to school. Um, of course, we have Allison Mack. Ugh! She freaks me out. When I heard about that whole sex cult that she had been in, like, I'd never even watched Smallville. But I'm just like, fuck you. No. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, look forward to Honey, I Blow Up the Kid. Not kids. Because they only had one baby. Look for that review in May. Alright, everyone, that was the movie. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it's like three and a half hours long. The movie is not that long, but it's just... I just love, you know, reviewing movies. It's just, it's like watching them and just talking about them and stuff like that. So it's like, if you guys want, just hop on the Disney Plus if you got it. Watch the movie and just watch the review after. See if you agree with some of the things that I point out. So, alright, you know what? I think it's time to check out Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Now, honestly, I've probably seen Honey, I Blew Up the Kid more than I've watched 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's probably... I don't know. I mean, I like them both equally. But holy hell, am I going to trash the fuck out of the third one? I will tell you that right now. I've seen the third one a few times. It's fucking horrible. I'm going to have so much fun trashing the hell out of that film. So, all right. Have a good week. Stay home, stay safe, and stay positive. We will get through this. Bye, everybody.